0: Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we're trying to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing Rocky IV, released by MGM and United Artists on November 27th, 1985, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Bridget Nielsen, Tony Burton, Michael Pataki, and Dolph Lundgren as Drago, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Well, I had been waiting and waiting, and we are finally here. You really have been waiting and waiting. Basically, this is the only thing you wanted to talk about since we started talking about Stallone movies. I was just going to say, I mean, you really wanted to do Stallone. Uh, You really are a huge Rocky fan. And I'll admit, I was somewhat reluctant. There are a few. We started with one because I got to start things off, and Demolition Man was one. Mm -hmm. This was really number two. After that, I was like, eh, whatever. There's been some fun along the way. But this was a point, this was a point, and I think it's perfect that it winds up being the halfway point in the podcast, too. Yeah, it's interesting because when we covered Schwarzenegger, it was Terminator 2, and I think we called it the crown jewel. I'm not sure. I mean, would you consider Rocky IV the crown jewel Ooh. of Sylvester Stallone's <laughs> filmography? I, I mean, it depends on how you're defining it. In terms of entertainment, for me, it might be. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you 100%. I mean, this is the movie that made me a Rocky fan. When I was a kid, we had this on VHS. I've talked about it in the past. Really? I didn't know that. Well, I remember I've always did, said, did your, did your house have all of them or just this one? No, just this one because it was always the thing where my dad, I think because he was recording them off of HBO or whatever. Yeah. And so HBO would always get the the sequels cause they were cheaper. And so we always had the sequels. <laughs> I think we've talked about we've, this. Yeah. We've talked about it a long time ago, but uh, you know, we had police Academy two through six. I've seen those movies like 20 times each. I've only seen police <laughs> Academy one, maybe once or twice. <laughs> Um, but, and we didn't have any of the other Rocky, in this case, it was only Rocky four, for whatever reason. That is so interesting. And it was one of my favorite movies and continues to be one of my favorite movies. And that's genuine. Like, you know, this movie gets clowned on and we have clowned on it in the past, sure. you know, and it's obviously a big break from the rest of the Rocky movies <laughs> in terms of style and substance, uh, everything. In almost every way. In, yeah. in Almost every way It is it is Rocky in name only. Yes. But, I still think this is one hell of a movie. It is effective at what it does. It still pumps me up in the same way it did when I was a little kid. It was like there's no reason an eight year old kid would be should be identifying with you know a forty year old boxer who's getting revenge about his dead friend and goes to russia to to enact <laughs> revenge. Why is this interesting to me i don 't know, but it was and it was I swear it was on the level of Star Wars and Indiana Jones when I was eight. I watched <laughs> Rocky Four literally 100 times in my life (laughs) and it never gets old i have not seen it nearly as many times i did not adopt uh or uh, start watching it nearly as young i don't remember when so it certainly wasn't a watershed movie for me like me for a kid we've talked about a ghost i had on the same bootleg tape caddyshack ghostbusters and airplane which I watched. I can't tell you all three of them how many times. So I certainly discovered it later, but this is just, it's a type of movie for me that it's just fun. There's so much about it that is nonsensical. And most of the time that stuff annoys me, you know, that I'll just pick it apart. I forgive everything in this movie. Sure. And I can't even tell you necessarily why, but it's just so much fun. It's a movie that commits it commits to, it, to its it own absurdities. But do you do you honestly think do you think that that was intentional? Uh, I mean, I think so. I, or I, was it just the propaganda machine just in full force? Well, that's a different aspect. I mean, that's that's I, I kind of set that aside as far as the propaganda machine because yeah, that's that's obviously an element, a big element to this movie. Yeah, and you're right. I don't think that. Stallone thought that part of it was absurd. I think that's genuine. That's that's Stallone, the American, wanting to be a good American, and he's he's doing his part against the evil Russians. Right. I think that's real, and that's there's nothing ironic there. And and I guess to be clear, I don't think that Stallone made this movie ironically. The whole thing is sincere. I think so. Okay. That that, that's I guess what I was asking is that. But but I do think that Stallone understands that it's also absurd. It's both absurd and sincere. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think he's serious about... It's quite a fine thing. line between absurd and sincere. There, there, well, there is. Uh, but I think he is, he's serious about this absurd stuff. I mean, you can't put this robot in the movie and, and not know that it's absurd. I mean, I, I, I'm giving Stallone the benefit of the doubt. I, it, it's a scene that knows it's absurd. How could it not? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think... I mean, that's just an example. It's one of many examples of how this movie is absurd. But it it's almost there as, like, a symbol. That robot, and that's why we it's come up on the podcast all the time, because <laughs> that robot is a symbol of this movie. It is patently absurd. It should not be in this movie. None of the it things... It shouldn't be in any movie. <laughs> well, just wait. The, 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 this so movie... So Cozart, I can't wait. Well, it's... Uh, unfortunately, well, we'll get there. Uh, I don't want to tip my hand. But... Uh, yeah, like, nothing in this movie should be in this movie. And so that robot is a symbol of that. It's like, this doesn't feel like a Rocky movie. It doesn't feel like it exists in the real world. Suddenly, Rocky is G.I. Joe, essentially. And it's Rocky become is, a Saturday morning cartoon. That is, that's actually the perfect analogy. It is a Saturday morning cartoon. I mean, James Brown and Apollo Creed dance. That is a Saturday morning cartoon. Every, every scene, it's like, this does not exist on Earth. Nothing that is happening here can happen on earth. And yet the movie commits to it so fully, you know, if there had been one scene that is trying to kind of capture something real, like in the history of the, the, in the tradition of the Rocky movies, you know, which are more grounded, et cetera. And I I suppose there are scenes that are trying to do that, but they're absurd in in, in an entirely like unique new way. Like I'm thinking about, uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about the movie too much until we get into it, but like, you know, there's the scene with Rocky and Adrian, and they're celebrating. It's their ninth anniversary, and he gives her a gift. He calls her a prize. Here's your prize. <laughs> and it's it's a watch, and it's like, it's the shape of a snake, but don't worry, it won't bite you. <laughs> and even this, like, down to earth, very low key, romantic scene, in its own way, is totally absurd. That watch is absurd. <laughs> because, yes, it's presented in a way that's like an advertisement. There's no scene in this movie that isn't total nonsense, and I think that's why it works is because it lives in its own parallel universe somehow where these are the rules, and the rules are that you know the more absurd, the better. Exactly. I, I, I genuinely think this is a great movie, and uh, not even kidding. I, I, I think this is Stallone's best directed movie. It's very stylish. It has a real, like, authorial voice. It's like, if he had made ten more movies like this, he would have been Tony Scott. You know? It feels like a Tony Scott movie. It feels like Top Gun. It's very MTV. Yeah. I think if he hadn't been one of the biggest movie stars in the world and had just decided, I'm going to be a director, like a Clint Eastwood kind of a situation, or you know, maybe occasionally acting in his own stuff or whatever, and he had been a director in this style, I think he would have had a big career. Because I genuinely think he's... You know, I think, you know, Rocky Two, Rocky Three. he's capable, he's fine, but this has its style all its own, I genuinely think this is a good movie. All right, well, (laughs) I'm not sure what else I can add to that, so why don't we get right into (laughs) this? All right, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about. I'm sure we're going to. But for now... What day is it? What year? December 1st, 1985. Wait, I have no, no... I said November 27th at the beginning. I wonder if one was like a... Premiere or something. It might have been the premiere, but... Not important. All right. Well, I had December 1st, 1985. Okay. A $30 million budget, and once again, an absolute number one smash hit blockbuster. Even by the standards of Rocky. I know this was the biggest hit of all the Rocky movies. So over in total, foreign and domestic, over $300 million. So at 10, 10 times. Yeah. That I mean, that's honestly, that's that's absurd in its own right. Sure. I a mean, ten, I get it. <laughs> You can understand why it captures the zeitgeist, you know. And it, it definitely was of its time, and probably at the perfect time as well. Yeah. Uh, so on the domestic side, just under 128 million, and then about uh, 172 million of foreign box office. Wow, bigger foreign than yes. in the U.S. Even that's that's a big accomplishment for, for 1985. The, and it is such a runaway. Rocky Four is such a runaway smash. So in the its first week, there are two movies that open. Rocky debuts in the United States at just under $20 million, 1991, 9, 537. He crushes, now, whether it's no, end of November or early December, Rocky crushes Santa Claus the movie. Oh, which, sure. Which opened at $5.6 uh, Speaking of absurd Steam, movies, Steam <laughs> Rock. I understand. Regardless, it, regardless of the quality yes, of the movie. It's Santa Claus, right. and Rocky quadruples up santa claus i mean it's not like a some kind of traditional christmas movie it's not like it's you know rudolph the red-nosed reindeer it's santa claus the movie a movie about uh what's his name he played uh the, i looked it up because i had never seen it before i saw it recently i had seen it as a kid and then i totally forgot what it was about and uh, my friend jamie is like I think around Christmas time. It's like, we need to watch uh, Santa Claus. It's like one of our favorite movies. <laughs> it is crazy. It's a really? crazy movie. Okay. Um, what's his name who played uh, the drunk character from the 80s movie, the, the uh, British oh, guy? Oh, Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore. Thank you. Yes. We couldn't remember his name last time we talked about Dudley yeah. Moore, and now we, I still couldn't remember. Uh, yeah, it stars Dudley Moore as an elf. Oh man! And he like has all these ideas about like I'm gonna make because it's like the elves are like handcrafting all the toys and it's like it's the 80s. We need to industrialize. And he's, I got I've got all these ideas and he's like an inventor. Oh, it's, I may need to see John that. John Lipkow's in it as like an evil toy company like executive or something. I, I may need to see. It's this. bonkers. I mean, it's not good, but. I mean, this is the movie for crazy movies, the year yes. for crazy movies. Uh, the opening weekend, apparently, for crazy movies. All right, so rounding out the top ten, One Magic Christmas. So another Christmas movie had no shot against Rocky okay. Four. That I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't either, with uh, $4 million in box office. And most of the rest of these I don't really know that well. Uh, King Solomon's Mines was number four. That's, uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, it was the prior prior week, it was the number one movie. I think that's an Indiana Jones knockoff. Okay. Uh, Number five was Jagged Edge. Number six, I do know, Back to the Future was, I don't know, this must have been like a holiday, well, maybe not. Maybe it's still hanging around. Let me see here. Total Week's 22. No, it's just still hanging around that long and still making money. Sure. You want to talk about a runaway smash hit. Yeah. Uh, Number seven, Once Bitten. Number eight, To Live and Die in L.A., Number nine, talk about of the times, Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. Wow, yes. theatrical release apparently. Yes, uh, and number ten, Bad Medicine. On the TV front, it is exactly the same as our last movie, so I don't need to cover any. Anyway. Okay, good. Uh, you know what? I, maybe I should just do it quickly because we don't know if everybody listens to every episode. But basically, number one was the Cosby Show. It was certainly the prime time for uh, for television that at least that I remember watching. Syndicated reruns of because Family Ties, well, not Murder, she wrote as much. 60 Minutes, Cheers. We talked about Dallas and Dynasty. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Golden Girls, Miami Vice, and Who's the Boss? Uh, on the history front, the SP 500 is at 207.3. But one thing to note is that during this month, the Dow Jones Industrial Average passes 1,500 for the first time in 1985. This isn't the Dow Jones Industrial Average minutes. You're not allowed to just throw in the Dow Jones. Oh, what? This is, this is, no, this is this is a segment creep. Now every week you're going to come into the Dow Jones? No, I'm just... This I, is just going to become an economics podcast by the end of it. You're yeah. going to succeed in your goal. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to do, slow and gradual. It was uh, the seed you planted a year and a half ago. Your S&P 500 <laughs> seed is now growing into a Dow Jones tree. Uh, all right, so I expanded the history just a little bit because on November 9th, in an all-Soviet match... Twenty-two-year-old Gary Kasparov defeats Anatoly. Karpov to become the youngest ever undisputed winner of the World Chess Championship. I thought I thought that was fair to expand out in November for uh, an all-Soviet matchup. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so then I, I gave myself a little bit more. November 20th, Microsoft Corporation releases the first vi- version of Windows, Windows 1.0. Wow. I nope. I mean, I, I guess in theory I knew that Windows 1.0 must have existed somewhere, but... Yeah, 1985, who, who used that? 3.1 was the first one that anybody ever used, right? For the most part, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I even knew Windows existed before 3.1. So on December 1st, this one is really more for you and me. The Ford Taurus and Mercury Sable are released for sale to the public. The 1985 version is not nearly as safe as the 1989 Mercury Sable with standard drive-inside airbag. You just can't see the, the Fords, Mercury, and Sable side-by-side, side, can you? Without thinking of the uh, last section here. No, I can't. Now who's dumb? December 2nd, uh, Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan almost fight each other at halftime in the only loss of the, the season in Miami. <laughs> I didn't know that story. Yeah, I guess I yeah. didn't consider that this is the year of uh, the 85, the 85 Bears. Bears. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a, the, I, there was a touchdown pass that like went off the helmet I don't know if it was Dan Hampton. Somebody got up and you know up in the air and it bounces off. And the trajectory—it was was just a fluke, yeah, yeah. a total fluke game. But what I didn't completely realize or remember until I was doing this is that Buddy Ryan. This was like the beginning of basically the end of. Oh yeah, it, it was always rocky, but no, no pun intended. But that that. That really was uh, the beginning of the end. The end of the end was when they picked him up on their shoulders. They picked up Buddy Ryan, not the head coach. Yep. Uh, After I the Super Bowl. They picked them both up, I guess, but uh, I know Ditka was not happy about no. that. No. Good riddance to Ditka. What a dumbass. Jeez. I never liked Ditka. All right. Clown. Well, how about this in football? December 7th, Bo Jackson wins the Heisman Trophy. Okay. I just want to know, Bo Jackson, I don't think there was any player that I enjoyed watching other than maybe Barry Sanders. I don't, he had such short career in Bo Jackson. I don't think there's anybody I enjoyed watching play football more than Bo Jackson. Sure. Uh, Not on a a positive note, but December 11th, Hugh Scrutton is killed outside his Sacramento, California, computer rental store by Unabomber explosives, and that was the first fatality of the Unabomber's bombing campaign. Geez, you're I, always coming in with Unabomber deaths. Well, no, like, it's, it's because... Crazy. No, that, the reason I noted that it was the first death, too, is that the previous ones, actually in 1985, yeah. were explosives that went off but hadn't killed anybody. Oh, so this right. was like the beginning of the Unabomber's career, if you will. It's amazing how oblivious, at least I was... Because I only knew about the Unabomber when they caught him, or, like, yeah. shortly before, or like, lead up to it or whatever. That was new, big news at the time. I, I never I, I never knew he went back this far. It's, and it's the thing not, is, is that, I mean, certainly there was media coverage. I can't even imagine what it would be like today. Oh, no. I can't even imagine what it would be like Well, I'll, I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself right. there. December 16th in New York City, American Mafia bosses Paul Castellanano and Thomas Bellotti are shot dead in front of Spark Steakhouse, Making hit organizer John Gotti the leader of the powerful Gambino crime family. I'm very familiar with this event because I saw the film Gotti. I, I still have not seen it, which I know I need <laughs> you to. Should, you should see it. December. Speaking of absurd movies, December twentieth. Uh, back to the sports front. Howard Cosell retires from TV broadcasting. December twenty uh, seventh. American naturalist. I didn't. I didn't know this. Diane Fossey is found is found murdered in Rwanda. I didn't know like her. I just knew her from. Girls um, in the Mist. Girls in the Mist, right. I didn't actually know how that ended. I didn't know that she was murdered. I knew yeah. that she was dead. Yeah. I didn't know how she died. Hmm. All okay. right, so then finishing out, The Mammoth Hunters, which is a historical fiction Valley of the Horses sequel uh, book. is the New York Times bestseller. I had to look it up because I would never heard of it. Did you say who wrote it? Gene uh, Owl, A-U-E-L, is okay. the author. Okay. And I at least if I know this song. I don't know if I'd say it's a good song, Broken Wings by Mr. Mister is the <laughs> Billboard Top 100 number one single. It's it's especially. it's fun in a cheesy '80s way. It, it baby, don't understand. It has These that like broken wings. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do a duet now? Yes. <laughs> no, I, I I think it has that like. That 80s style of singing of like, I'm going to make my voice wave a little bit. It's like, yeah. you know, shaking, like it's fake definitely, emotion. It's definitely of its time. I find that kind of charming in a, in a terrible way. So one other historical note that I found uh, for 1985 on Wikipedia, but they could not pin down, it's Wikipedia, uh, and yeah. I, this is probably fair, a specific month, but I think it's very, very important. The fall of communism begins with resistance gaining victory in the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan, and you know the reason why. That it's important is because the real fall of communism is this movie itself. Sure, because Balboa solves <laughs> the Cold War. It's being mis- misattributed to yes. what happened in Afghanistan. When in reality, we know what it is. Okay, so that was uh, that was the history. We'll, we'll call it late November, early December, nineteen eighty-five. Not to spoil anything, but we're once again going to see Sylvester Stallone uh, win the Cold War in Afghanistan in a future film. So I don't know how much you know about Rambo 3, but uh, I don't It's uh, okay, I spoiled it a little it's, bit. It's it's good to know that on so many fronts Stallone has ended the Cold War. Yeah, you know, he he ended the Vietnam War in in Rambo 2. I did it. Remember I said I was going to call Rambo Rocky? I finally did it. Yes. I knew it was going to happen eventually. <laughs> it took until halfway through the podcast, though. But... Yeah, you're right. But uh, I, I, I kind of stopped myself. No, he, he won the Vietnam War in Rambo 2. He yep. wins the Cold War here, and he wins the Cold War in Rambo 3. So, you know. Stallone is getting it done. Yeah. He's right. just living out all his fantasies of ending every war. All right. Let's talk about Rocky 4 Let's do it. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for big conversation. Uh, so the big picture where we discuss the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's, uh, once again, oh. a Sylvester Stallone movie with a pretty straightforward plot, but uh, you want to take this? Uh, I'll take my bet. I think I actually wrote something. Hold on, let, me, let me try this out. Okay. All right. Apollo Creed wants to prove he still has got it and dies. Rocky wants <laughs> to avenge Apollo's death and ends the Cold War along the way. <laughs> Your plot summaries are always so terse. Like, where's Ivan Drago in that plot summary? Where's the robot in that plot summary? I would think, of anything, that would be your focus. <laughs> Touche. This is a movie about a robot that is owned by a boxer who disappears for months at a month of the time and then comes back at the end. <laughs> and let, lets his kids stay with the robot. <laughs> Everybody else leaves but the robot. That should be, you know, <laughs> kids come over and watch the fight. <laughs> they are the worst. Parents in the world, yeah, it's pretty. But again, taken to an absurd level. Or, <laughs> that's why this movie is great. Because yes, in Rocky Three, we were justifiably criti- critical of Rocky and Adrian you know, going. Leaving to their kid with the house sitter or housekeeper to going to L.A. Now they're leaving with the robot. It's like, well, you can't criticize them because again, no earthly people would do this. So <laughs> you can't take it seriously enough to be critical. That it's awesome that they leave their kid with the robot. A <laughs> robot with a Santa hat and fake beard, holding <laughs> holding a Christmas wreath. I mean, he's watching. The robot's doing his job. It's it's keeping it an eye on the kids while they're watching the fight. I, I, there's many questions I have about how that robot maintains order in that house. But <laughs> this is the plot summary, so maybe yes. we should save the robot conversation for later. We will save which it will, for which I'm later. sure will be extensive. I mean, what your plot summary was accurate, but you know, I I, I think a, a lot of this movie. I I every time I watch it I'm surprised at how much of the focus is on Drago. There's sure. a lot of time spent on Drago. There is a lot. He doesn't get a lot of lines, but there's a lot of focus on him and his handlers. He gets equal time in terms of a training montage, which yeah. is has never happened before, not even with Apollo. No, you're right. You know, it's 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 one of the things that I think genuinely it's one of the reasons why this movie works almost as much in terms of like building the rivalry between these two opponents. You're invested more in yeah because I than think you have been in past opponents. It's it's treating them with equal narrative weight almost. I mean obviously this is a Rocky movie. It's not called Drago, so you know Rocky does get more time, but it's it's <laughs> as equal as you could ever have. <laughs> so with Comrade Detective, do you think you somebody could come up with a perspective on this movie and just make it Drago and take it from the Soviet? Perspective. I mean, there definitely have, have been like people have done it. Inter- internet videos like that. There was a guy who made a flash game. It was like Ivan Drago, defender of of the People's Republic or whatever. I, it was kind of like double dragon where he like punched <laughs> it and the the robot made an appearance. It was like a very jokey thing, but yeah, I mean, there there have been things like that. All right. Um. But sorry, yeah. sorry to sidetrack you there, but it it is fair that Drago is a. Uh, I guess I don't know if it's a more formidable opponent. But certainly, one that you're more time is vested in, you are more vested as, as an audience member in him. Yeah, I mean, they're going to great lengths to build him up as as a incredibly formidable opponent. I mean, and, to and, the and, point where it's absurd, right? right? Eighteen hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> I love his uh, handler there. That guy, that is, guy the is great. Um, and then they kind of have to because at this point, Rocky has become basically the greatest boxer in the world. You know, I mean even at the beginning of Rocky 3, it's established that, like, well, yes, he's the champion, but he didn't really earn it. And it was right. kind of like it's, you know, Mickey's been carrying him and that's the whole thing and he has a self-doubt. At this point there's no self-doubt, so you have to create an opponent that is unbeatable and to to a ludicrous degree. You know, and it's, it's the worth- a sequel sequel problem of sequels, right? You have to make them more and more the challenges more and more difficult. Yeah, and you know what actually You saying that made me realize that the reason why Rocky IV is so great is also the reason why I love the Fast and the Furious movies so much. Because, yeah, I mean, you have to top the previous movie. And so you wind up in outer space. I mean, in theory, they're not there yet. Uh, We'll see. I wouldn't mind it. But uh, some movie franchises are hesitant about that. It's like, well, we don't want to, you know, we want the, the series to stay grounded and blah, blah, blah. And I love movies that just like, no, the hell with staying going grounded? Let's go for it. And this movie is that, in the same way that the later Fast and Furious movies are just like, I don't care. Yes, they're super, they're an invincible super spy team now. They used to just boost VCRs and now they're super spies. <laughs> Great. I'm all for it. And, you know, obviously to a degree, it's sort of a betrayal of the series. You know, Rocky is supposed to be about this underdog, and to make him into this superhero-like character is is absurd, and it can, it's easy to get upset at it. At it, And I think the fact that knowing that the series comes back from it, somewhat successfully, somewhat unsuccessfully, but you know, it manages to find its footing again as a realistic series. And so just having this weird outlier in the middle, it's like, well, it's, it's fine, because it, it's a fixing itself. You know yeah. what I mean? I think if this had been the last movie or even if Rocky 5, you know, because for a long time Rocky 5 was the last Rocky movie and maybe it was tougher to swallow Rocky 4 being what it is. But, uh yeah, I, I love the fact that it's total nonsense. Well, so I, I guess on the more downer note, it, it is still difficult, although I love the presentation. It's still heartbreaking to lose Apollo Creed because yeah. Apollo is Still, my, probably my favorite character from all of these movies. But I got to say, his presentation before that fight is maybe the most fun that I, I... Certainly in any of these movies, but just in movies in general. Carl Weathers up there when he's like pointing down with his boxing glow, yeah. It, I mean, the smile is on, ear to ear on my face every time. Yeah. And that's another perfect example of taking it to the nth degree because you think about Rocky James One Brown, but in Rocky One, Apollo comes with the ring in that Uncle Sam outfit, and it's like, is oh, it Uncle Sam or George Washington, both. He, he switches. Oh, that yeah, way. he switches. That's right. He comes look. in as Uncle Sam, or he maybe he comes, in, he as comes in as George Washington, Washington, and then crossing the Delaware, ch- changes to Uncle Sam. Yeah, um, and it's like that's pretty over the top by the standards of that movie. And then Rocky Four is like, no, 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 no. This is you over really the top. You want to see over the? top? You want to see the patriotism taken to the absolute zenith. I've got a lot to say. When we get to little details, I want to do a deep dive into that like stage show that they're putting on. Um, it's amazing. It's bigger than any Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, at the time, for sure. Yeah. In 1985, it was just like the USC marching band. Yeah, they needed this showmanship, the Apollo they Creed showmanship. Apollo Creed. Absolutely. But it is, so uh, in terms of the plot, that really is what drives the whole movie, right? So Apollo wants to prove, you know, he, he's <laughs> lost it. Rocky's at the top of the world, as you said. He's got the robot. He's he he got two Lamborghinis. He's got, <laughs> thank you. He has two Lamborghinis. What an underdog. Two Lamborghinis. And, you know, so I do enjoy that aspect. And maybe it's, it's probably mostly because I enjoy Apollo. I love the character. I think Carl Weathers has given another great performance. He can do both the absurd. But even, you know, when Apollo's trying to explain to, to Rocky that it's easy for him To say the things that Rocky says, it's easy for him because he is on top, and he hasn't been forgotten about the way Apollo has. Yeah, and that's a genuinely good speech that he gives. Right. You know, again, I think that's one of those scenes that's trying to be a character moment, but it's just, he's just talking about, like, we're the warriors, and, you know, without a war to fight, the warriors may as well be dead. It's like, I don't know if Rocky one or two Apollo would talk like this, but it still fits his character. you, You believe it. Yeah. So the difficult thing for me is losing Apollo, but each time I watch this, and maybe it's because they give him the equal screen time, like you say. If I was going to lose him to anybody of any of the other you know Rocky opponents that there have been, there's nobody better than Ivan Drago. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's I think, perfect. I think Dolph Lundgren deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to say, oh, he's just you know he's big just standing and, there and silent and yeah, it's easy to be imposing when you're six foot five and you know built like he is. It's like. I don't. I think this is a tougher role than you would think. I think you'd plug a lot of guys in there that would look wooden. Yeah, and who would not be as menacing on screen. I mean, there are plenty of guys you'd be, in person, you'd be like, that guy's big, and I wouldn't want to pick a fight with that guy. You put him on screen, and it's like, oh, okay. That's just a big, you know, kind of... <laughs> a big dude. A guy with no real expression, no right. real, like, you know. He's still acting, even though he's not doesn't have a lot of lines. It's interesting because uh, I know from a little bit of reading that I did that uh, Stallone had a hard time casting this role, and his, when he wrote it, he was imagining more of like a big bear, like uh, like a the kind of guy you would imagining wrestling bears, like like Zangief for you know uh, that type of a, rest, uh, a oh, Russian yeah. guy, you know, and like a big hairy dude. And Dolph Lundgren is not that. Like no. when you really think about it, he doesn't look Russian at all. He's Swedish, and I mean, maybe you could buy him as like. I don't know what the region is like to the northwest of Russia. It's like kind of there's kind of a Scandinavian area in Russia, so maybe that that's the idea. Uh, That's uh, he does not look Russian. No, that's for sure. He's very Nordic in a way that he... as a kid had never I never questioned it. No, who cares? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, still who cares? I mean, it's still the right casting. I don't think the fact that he doesn't look Russian is that much of a detriment compared to what he's bringing, which is a lot. Yeah, I especially in the fight, which is like. He's really emoting a lot in that fight. Yeah, and what's funny is by the end. So uh, the rest, of course, it, it's a Rocky movie, so you you kind of know how the the rest of the plot goes. There are two training montages. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, just it's, go through it. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it, this one more than any other Rocky movie sticks to that formula, but it heightens it. It turns it into MTV in a way that yeah. previous Rocky movies didn't. You know, there's a there's a you getting a little bit of the MTV music video. Vibe in Rocky Three, but certainly this training montage does a hundred percent feel like it was made for MTV. Well, not just the training montages, but also the Rocky driving around and thinking montage, <laughs> which is which is the most MTV section in Because the difference is in Rocky Three, the opening sequence is a montage set to Eye the Tiger, and you're right, it's like okay, it's it is MTV ish. I mean, that was early MTV, but like you know, it's it's a pop song and it's edited kind of cut to the song. Yeah. but in Rocky Four. There's almost no, like, sound effects, especially in the, the one where he's driving around. There are zero sound effects. It, the only audio you're hearing is a song, and it just looks like a music video because yeah, you don't hear like the sound of the car driving. or anything, yeah. You're seeing all the clips from the previous movies, and honestly, the, the last shot of that sequence... When he's driving through the tunnel, I always like subliminally expect the little like white in the bottom left corner credits to pop up saying <laughs> you know uh, hearts on no, what 's a uh, no easy way out, no easy way out" by Robert Tepper and you know Geffen Records, whatever I would say uh, <laughs> that's great. My mind always expects them to pop up because it 's literally just a music video, you hear zero dialogue, you hear zero sound effects, and you know the training montage is a little bit less so because you actually do. You know, you're hearing what's happening. And, yeah, grunting and whatever but, as they're lifting. Yeah, but still not much. And, of course, you get the training and you get the the match. You, this fits more of your formula. I I enjoyed Rocky three about its brevity and, I guess, being more, all of the fights in that, being, I think, more realistic to how many boxing matches are. This one, of course, goes the distance. Yeah, and it's <laughs> another place where it fits the formula. You see round one, you see round two, three through 14 of the montage, you see round 15. That is the Rocky formula. And, you know, of, of course, by the end, Rocky ultimately wins. What's funny is this time through, I give a little credit, and maybe it is Dolph Lundgren's performance, there's a part of me that's pulling for Drago in this. Yeah. He's much more interesting a character, despite you, 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 there, you get almost no insight into his character at all. No, but for I, for some reason, and maybe it's because I was looking and trying to do this, but I don't know, from Drago's perspective, I don't know, he feels like he's just been kind of like a... A pawn, right, and and made into something, and he wants to fight for himself. In some ways, Drago actually represents the American spirit, yeah. honestly. In some ways, sure, and I, I think that ties into the message of this movie. You know, it ties into the crowd cheering for Rocky at the end, as absurd as that is, but <laughs> possibly the most absurd thing in Wait. a movie with a robot in it. Wait. <laughs> Let's just no. Let me establish okay. this. This isn't even going an opinion. I'm going to say this is fact. Okay, that is the most absurd <laughs> thing, maybe in any movie ever, but certainly in this movie. Yeah, that is taking it. I, if it was at a, you know, at a 11, that took it to like a, a hundred. Sure, yeah. there's no way that that crowd. <laughs> He's chanting Rocky. But they're doing that for the same reason that a, that Ivan Drago picks up his trainer by the neck and throws him and says, I fight for me. It's... it's- The spirit displayed by Rocky in front of all these people, including Drago, has inspired them to be, you know, the individualistic people, just like Americans, you know? It's all about individual, you know, liberties and not about... It's not about the group. It's not about, uh, you know, socialism fighting for our country. It's, no, I I fight for me. I'm going to do what I want, just like the cowboy American over there. Yeah. So, at least for me this time through, and again, I might have been looking for it because of how much we had talked about this going into it, but this time, I... I have to admit, I wasn't necessarily rooting for Drago, but he does not feel like as much of the enemy or as much of the villain that I think the movie was, at least in my previous viewings, was always trying to make him out to be. I, I There's a part of me that's pulling for Drago. Oh, it, I think it makes him out to be a villain, but then by the end it softens him and it gives him a moment of humanity. This goes back to my criticism of Clubber Lang when we talked about Rocky three, that it was missing that, Yeah. that I I felt like they needed to humanize Clubber Lang to understand why he was so angry. And the same thing here. It's like for most of the movie, you just see Drago as this monster, just punching things (laughs) like a shotgun. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, he literally kills our, one of our favorite characters. And that's the thing is I shouldn't. Apollo is still my favorite character Mm -hmm. from all of these movies. Yeah. I should hate Ivan Drago. And for some reason, now this time, viewing it through, I'm like, eh, there's. I have a little bit of sympathy for Drago. I feel like he was just a pawn and a tool that was being used by the state. But I think that's deliberate. That's I've, The credit goes to Stallone there. He did the thing that he should have done in Rocky three, You know, and... I don't think that's accidental. I mean, obviously, there's a scene where he, he fights against his, his uh, handlers. And then there's the little moment, the start of the 15th round, they go and they shake hands for the end of the, you know, at the start of the 15th round, and yeah. he says something, which I could never pick up, like, to the end or something. It's because of his mouth guard and his accent, because it comes out like, what? Well, I don't know what he said. But it doesn't matter what he said. Like, it's a moment of humanity. He's like, he's showing some respect to Rocky yeah. and saying, oh, you know, to the end or whatever he's saying. So, yeah, I, th- I think. Pineapple. That's what we should have said. Pineapple. that's a deep cut for this podcast. Yes, it is. You're calling back to a bonus episode from like three years ago. I forgot about that. Now we should start doing our... Uh, Dolph doesn't speak enough in this movie to, uh, for us to do our Dolph Lundgren impression. No, it doesn't. I forgot how fun that was. It was a lot of fun. We were not good at it, but it was a lot of no, fun. No, our Dolph Lundgren impressions sort of sounded like the guy from Silence of the Lambs, if I recall. <laughs> it's a combination of that and being... Oof. Bane! Oh, oh, Bane! Bane! Yeah, <laughs> you said that like you said that so cheerfully in a way that Bane wouldn't. have Bane! Don't know, it's me, Bane. <laughs> there's a part of me. There's an alternate universe where Bane is like performing in a musical somewhere in my sure. head. Well, I'm sure that exists somewhere in the world where Spider-Man Enter the Dark, whatever that, that yes. Broadway musical is called, exists. Oh, but I, I, I think Drago being humanized is is a great decision, and I, I really. And you still haven't seen Creed two, have you? No, I have not. It's actually up on HBO, but I think I'm going to wait. Yeah, it's a good uh, idea, and just do it cold when we for the first time viewing for when we do Creed two. I'm, I'm I'm glad you're doing that, and I'm think I'm very interested to get your opinion as fresh as possible when we get there. Yeah. Um, so I don't dare spoil anything, but having Drago being humanized. Was not only a good decision for this movie, but it was a good decision Setting to launch up or, yeah, later just, movies that they yeah. could have never dreamed would happen. I, I'm sure when they made Rocky Four, they couldn't have imagined that but, that character would ever come back. But uh, just for the listeners, I know that you know that <laughs> Dra- Dragos in Creed Two. Yeah. You you already know that. Yeah, that, so that not, part I'm I not do spoiling it. that. You already no, know that part of you, uh, which is a bummer. I right? actually it would have been cool if you didn't know that going in. It, if, but, I, mean, I mean, if it wasn't such a big movie, it, it's hard to avoid. Completely today. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't want to say anything else about Creed no, Two. I, I don't actually know anything on the plot. I, do, I did know about that, and that's it. So okay. I don't know anything else. But yeah, I, 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 the, the fight is It's my favorite fight in the entire series. Really? Yeah. Oh. Because I think normally the montage part can get kind of like samey. It's like, all right, they're punching each other. They're punching each other. Rocky I, Two does a good job mixing it up. I just have a hard time because it, it's so – I know you were just going to say, well, they're committing to the absurdity. It's just so far from reality in boxing. Oh, of course. It does not resemble boxing in the slightest. Oh, I mean, even the commentators comment on it, because it's like, it picks him up and throws him down like a rag doll. <laughs> it's a gutter war. No holds barred in Moscow. And I mean, I I hate to reference it again, but I'm going to, because no, I'm to do it Of course you're going to do You get one. I, I No, I have no choice, but on the the college humor... <laughs> Balboa ends the Cold War 30 for 30. They landed a 90% of their power punches. It's true. The defense is non-existent in this Of course. Yeah, and, and now that we're finally talking about Rocky IV, it, we should because we have referenced it a million times. Go watch, go look on YouTube and look up College Humor. Rocky ends the Cold War. It's well worth your time. It is still funny to me <laughs> to this day. I shouldn't have shown you ahead of time. No, you should have saved should it have, until today. If you would have dropped that on me today, I yeah. might not have been able to make it through this episode. I, I couldn't. I couldn't wait. I love it so much. Um, what was I going to say? What were we talking about before you? Uh, it was just that it's it's your favorite of all of the boxing uh, matches. Oh, in the Rocky series. You were talking about how unrealistic the boxing is. It I is. think that's you're right. I think that's why I think the montage works is because unlike other Rocky movies where it's like dodging and punching and dodging and punching and then some round three and dodging and punching and oh maybe Rocky gets knocked down and he gets right back up round four punching punching you know it's like. I'm not necessarily interested in boxing. I love Rocky, the character. And I think okay. the, yeah. the character is the situations that he gets in are so dramatic. And I'm always rooting for him. But I mean, I probably would love these movies if it was about any sport. Rocky four, the montage is so different from any other movie. Cause it's like, there's these like double exposures and, and they're like almost abstract. It's like, Close up of fist hitting hitting Rocky. Boom. Close up of Drago fist hitting Drago. Boom. And like they're over they're double exposed. So like both are on the screen at the same time. And there's like a bunch of like split screen where like Rocky's sitting, you know, on the left of the screen, Rocky's like sitting down and he's exhausted. On the right of the screen, there's fighting going on. And then on the right of the screen, Drago's sitting down and he's exhausted. And then it's like it's almost like showing you here's the thing that happened, and then here's why the like aftermath, the yeah. aftermath. I think there's it's the most creative fight in terms of the f- filmmaking and the editing i will i will definitely give you that that it is the most creative in particular you you highlighted it the punch <laughs> just landing on both of them that is surreal yeah it is surreal you're right I, it's why i love it because it is present it's not presented as a real world sporting event it is presented as if it's presented like a Godzilla fight or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's no, it like is. almost literal Titans like, duking it out for yeah. the fate of the galaxy. It, it would be like Zeus speaking, basically. <laughs> sure. Are you just trying to go to go? No, playing the sound no, effect? No, uh, you can't play I it because there is no Zeus in this movie. <laughs> it's the robot Zeus. <laughs> the Zeus of the movie. Oh, man, I hadn't <laughs> thought about it. The, I hadn't either. The problem is, is the robot has a legitimate job. He is the caretaker for a child. You're right. So I, I can't give him the Zeus in the movie. He actually is very important. I, <laughs> Maybe not to the plot, but to me, be not being concerned about the well-being of a child in this movie. <laughs> sure. I mean, Rocky has the fate of the world to, to worry about. So obviously... that's true. The fate of his family has to fall to the robot. But yes, you're right. The fate of his family is, being, is in the robot's hands. <laughs> In its metal hands. Um, anyway, should I we I think move that's on? a perfect segue to the technology section. <laughs> You're right. Let's move on to technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? So this is the segment where we're trying to determine how changes in technology might have impacted the plot uh, ending of the movie or just scenes in general. And we finally get to talk about the movie, where that music is from. Thank you. What's funny is thank you for highlighting that. I never asked, you know, about when you put these together, right? And I, I'm not as huge of a Rocky fan. I've seen Rocky four many times. Yeah. I didn't necessarily recognize it. I was watching the movie. I'm like, ah, oh, I should have known. Of course, it is. It's the, it's the robot, theme. robot appearance. I'm like, you're such an idiot, Olsen. How could it not be? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely why I chose that to be the theme for our technology segment yeah absolutely. Don't, i i feel bad i'm I'm much I, more of a music fan yeah. I, I listen to the Rocky four soundtrack twice a week probably I- I, as as the robot was coming, I'm like, you moron! How could you not know that? Of course, it is the music for the robot from Rocky Four. Yeah. I mean, now I I because we've used it so many times. Now when I was I was watching Rocky Four, I'm going like, oh, it's time to do the technology <laughs> thing. Like I almost like it almost made me like, like oh, I'm not prepared for this. I gotta get to work. No wait, I'm not doing the podcast right now. All right, so I'm gonna open up with one right on topic with the robot himself. Okay. So I said the robot sadly would likely really be able to be Polly's girlfriend today. <laughs> oh god. And with that's what way to start this segment. And man, hold on, wait, there's more. And with Polly, we may have the first instance of what type of criminal charges would be needed for man and robot. Criminal charges. Yes. Wait. I, I'm not sure. I'm not following you there, and I'm not sure I want to. Just should I ask a follow up question? No, of just, what you mean? I'm not sure. Just let it go, and I'll let the audience at Arms Race Podcast infer. I guess maybe I, my mind is not twisted enough to know what you're getting at. <laughs> maybe, there. maybe not. But let's just let's say how it could there. You, how could there, a robot isn't doesn't have rights? How could there be charges? Uh, I'm just maybe because of what I'm saying is that there may need to be. A whole new set of laws. Oh, there. he would—he would be the impetus for it. it. Would be end up in the Supreme Court? <laughs> yes. Wow. It's like Kramer versus Kramer, but uh, Paulie <laughs> versus Robot, well, yeah, yes. Okay. So, uh, unfortunately, I think today we are not that far away from that robot actually being able to be no. Paulie's girlfriend. <laughs> unfortunately, that's a very good point. I, 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 uh, I, I know why I didn't think of it, but I also, <laughs> I'm you, somewhat embarrassed that I could think of it. I mean, you're but you're 100% correct. I mean, there's a whole. What was that movie with Joachim Phoenix? Uh, her, her. I've never, I think uh, Scarlett Johansson is the name yes. of the uh, uh, AI. I've never seen it, but that's basically what that movie's about. And yeah, yeah I think we're probably not far from it. Um, well, I don't. I don't know how much it gets into the the logistics and like the physical. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Again, uh, it probably does. I don't know. Well, actually, that that stuff, believe it or not, it already exists. You, you oh are, yes, but yeah. <laughs> not not a robot that can actually like interact or does it? I. <laughs> I believe okay. it exists. I, I have no doubt that there are mechanical parts, <laughs> but I, I don't know how many no. chips are in those things. I believe okay. I believe it exists. Okay, I've, read, I've already read a few articles, and it exists. Uh, uh, here's here's why I'm glad I didn't think of it. Because knowing me, if I had thought You're of this, going I, would down fe- uh, it, I would have felt compelled to do some research about what was available, you know, what what exists today. <laughs> Jeez. Which I can come on, move though. No, we need to move to the next one. We're already going down a path. That's I, a dark I, well, path. You're right, but um, okay. Yeah, All right, what, was, what do you got? I've got one more in technology. I don't have anything nearly that interesting or lascivious. Okay. But the I mean, one thing I thought about is if if this happened today, I mean obviously the context is different. You know, the Cold War, not you know, being yeah. around anymore, et cetera. But uh, I think if, if this happened in 2019, and Rocky w- went to a remote area in Russia to train obviously this was a big story even in the movie it's like this is big news that Rocky's gonna fight this fight and he's going into isolation to train people would have found him and he would have been tailed by drones this whole time yeah climbing up the mountain and you'd be swatting drones left and right it, it would oh, be like mountain god all oh, man <laughs> I can't Why? wait Why? to talk about that mountain. Okay, if you've got, remember to talk about it because I, I, I won't forget. It's you wanted that maybe that's number two on me of the absurdity level. That is right there yeah. after the rah, kih, rah, kih. Look, a set of museum stairs is not going to cut it anymore. This is Rocky Four. <laughs> this is the Fast and Furious Eight of Rocky movies. You can't <laughs> climb a mountain in a leather bomber jacket. Maybe you can't. <laughs> okay, touche. Anyway, back to you. Technology. You're absolutely right. Or if uh, it even, would be like an internet, like people would team up. And be like, we got to figure out where Rocky is and find out what he's doing. Absolutely. And also, the KGB probably would also have been using drones. That's true. So that when they were spiraling out of control <laughs> in that Mercedes, <laughs> those two mustachioed men in a sedan. <laughs> it's, it's one of didn't, my favorite parts. Didn't quite. I touch. have a question about those guys too for later. Okay, good. I, I'm glad because yeah, I don't know if I have notes about them, but I do love those guys. And then the KGB guy who meets him, I assume he's KGB. Oh, I, I I just assumed everybody, even that farmer, was KGB. Sure, it was just KGB everywhere. Dracula's cousin. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great call. Yeah. No, that's what, that's what Paulie says. He never picked up on that? No. When they first arrive, he's just like, that. Oh, it snows here all the time. Get used to it. And then Paulie's like, Sounds like Dracula's cousin. <laughs> Paulie yeah. was another good zinger. Yeah. Pau- Paulie has fully transformed. He, his he's transition mad. into comic relief has been complete. Yes. <laughs> this is the movie where it's like he's just the wacky sidekick. All right. So I, this is more just a call of how uh, cute or quaint it is. Creed, uh, well, Adonis Creed definitely would not have cablegrams sitting inside of his oh, dressing yeah, room. I noticed those. That was just very, very cute to me. I'm so, I, it, I, it's funny how I always notice them, but it didn't occur to me to put them in this segment. Because you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pick pick whatever you want. I mean, if you want, let's just get really old school and have just faxes in there. But sure. at least those still exist. Cablegrams, absolutely. He not. might he might have been pinning up like tweets that he likes, like encouraging the, tweets in I, a similar I, way. That I could see, but. It it would not be a cablegram. That's for yeah, that's sure. That's absolutely true. So, what else what, have you got? What was the last cablegram? What year do you think the last oh. cablegram was sent? <laughs> Nineteen eighty-five. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say like, I mean, it might have been a year later than this. Yeah. Yes. Because because I just think about in Back to the Future 2, You have a fax you have a fax I mean right. fax was already like a technology <laughs> sure. right not that f- and it may have already been in 1985 or I'm sure this was filmed in 84 I don't know oh, when fax has existed at this time yeah I'm positive yeah so what the point I is, think is Gordon gecko talks about fact getting faxes doesn't he in Wall Street and that's the same year right or even a year earlier uh no Wall Street is post because it's post 87 crash Wall Street is 88 I think oh, seriously I thought it was around this time no it's it's post the black uh, Black Friday in 1987 it's a 1988 movie. Okay. Well, But whatever. Totally off. But, but the but, but the point is, facts is the fact yeah, that it, it's in Back to the Future too. You have a facts. <laughs> You have a fax. Yeah, that was not... Well, I guess that was... Well, that, 86, like, that doesn't 87? I don't remember back to the future. Too. It was after this. Yeah. But faxes existed, the rest of the I mean, I don't know if, if Apollo Creed would have a fax machine. That's the difference between a fax machine and a cablegram, is you don't need a machine, like, a special true. technology to receive a cablegram. That's true. That's true. It just arrives, right? The like, guy just come, knocks on your door and hands it to you? Is that yes. how it worked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 80s were a long time ago. Yes, they were. Uh, what else have you got in Technology. Okay, well, I mean, one thing that I think is different now, this isn't necessarily technology, it's more of a cultural change. The world, well, I guess it is technology because of the internet, but I think the world is so much smaller now in terms of, like, because of the internet, I don't know if these kinds of individual athletes, like, I don't think people would take ownership of them in a nationalistic sort of a way today, the way they did back then. Like, team sports, sure, like, you know, World Cup, whatever, like, Olympics, people you know, root for their country, but just a boxer who isn't really fighting for his country. He's not, there's no official, he's not part of team USA in any official capacity. He just happens to be an American and Drago just happens to be a Russian and they're both boxers. And yes, there's this, in the context of the cold war, there's this added element. Yeah, of, I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, there aren't individual athletes. It is tougher. I mean, they, uh, this doesn't transcend necessarily country. But you know, Tiger Woods and golf is you know, one of the few I can think of individual athletes that don't play a team sport that people will watch the sport – but I don't think it would have that element of it's. Oh, Tiger is America's golfer, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, if he's no. if he's golfing in, like the British Open or something, yeah, you're not going like well, I want him to win because, because America he, yeah. will win. It's like you don't think of him as like representing his country no. in any way. He's just an individual athlete. He happens to be American. Like you know, the perfect example in boxing, and not that I follow boxing, but you know, I was obviously aware of Vladimir Klitschko when yes. he was champion and one of the greatest boxers who's ever lived, and he was a Russian. And but at no point did I think like. Oh, he's—they've taken the title from us, those Russians. It's just yeah. like he just happened to be Russian. He was the best boxer in the world, and he was the champion. And right, he happened to be from Russia. Yeah, right. It, it never like once—not that I followed it that closely, like I said—but you know, the only reason why it works in the context of this movie is because it, it's Russia and America, and it's like the Cold War element adds. A in effect, they're fighting a proxy war in the ring, which is basically because Rock- you got two guys <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah, that's what Rocky, Rocky says in a less eloquent way. He doesn't call it a proxy war. Who would this, have ever thought this somewhat incoherent <laughs> rambling? You can't reference that video again. I said you have one. You get one. Come on, that guy's this. comment is so great. His <laughs> delivery is outstanding. We can't make this whole episode us referencing the college Fine. humor video. All right, so I've got one last one then. Okay, let me just say I'm, I'm going to end with the robot. The robot would exist today, but it would not need to have a VHS camcorder to take any uh, any uh, recordings. Or Rocky wouldn't, because the robot just would have cameras built in. Sure, that's it. <laughs> true. Yeah, you don't need to document the the arrival of the robot because the robot is doing that itself. Exactly. The robot is there and probably to document, l- document and live stream on the internet today. Sure, that's absolutely true. Uh oh. Did I, did I hit on something that you're going to hit later? No not really okay all right uh, I mean yes and no. I have one more technology but it doesn't matter all right well so then let's, let's move on on to uh little details that cardboard headstone tipped over the, this graveyard is obviously phony there's so much <laughs> Expl, explain <laughs> the segment there's so much to talk about little details the segment where we discuss the minutiae that we find interesting in the movie that we have watched I have like seven pages I'll try to pick pick and choose as best I <laughs> oh, can. My. Because there's so much I love about this movie, I I almost feel like I should just sit back and throw all of my notes out and let you run and react. No, I'm not going to dominate. I don't want to. I don't want to hog the episode. All right. Well, okay. Then okay. Then let me open with this one. I want to open because it literally is the opening of the movie. Okay. I think where we're going to start. I was just about to say let's start at the start. The movie <laughs> opens with nationalized boxing <laughs> gloves, uh-huh. literally exploding. Smashing into each other and exploding. I love it. It totally sends the message of what kind of movie it is. It sets the tone. And again, only because I went through this time needing to take notes and really paying attention. I I probably never really gave it a second thought before while this viewing. Talk about setting the tone of this thing is not going to be. It is so far from Academy Award winning Rocky. (laughs) It's a very good way to put it. Yeah. explode <laughs> it's like what, it's like what, what we're trying to avoid it's it's trying to say we're trying to avoid the bomb nuclear bombs going off by settling it in the box <laughs> ring. it's what movie was it was it kentucky fried movie what movie has the Gandhi 2 uh, parody in it? Oh, like that Gandhi remember. 2. He's here to kick ass or whatever. He's got, like, machine guns. Uh, yeah, it's like that, but for it's, it's, it's the Rocky equivalent. It's, you know, Rocky, this, this movie about a regular guy, like, you know, just living his life and trying to, you know, overcome adversity. And now Rocky basically is the adversity. Yeah. You know, he's, he's – they had to find something even more unbelievably imposing powerful. And, yes. Um, yeah, I love those gloves and the fact that like the, the, the Soviet glove kind of like falls in an awkward way like, oh, almost, it doesn't that. quite work correctly, but it works because Drago loses. So the fact that the Soviet glove kind of like falls in a weird way, <laughs> maybe um, it was intentional. Uh, yeah, this, and then th- it's worth pointing out. Uh, I mean, this actually leads right into my next note. So, uh, cause I, I, the tiger is using that opening sequence. And it's that's the only music from any other Rocky movie that's used in Rocky Four. There's no none of the like the classic Rocky themes. Yeah, uh, it's a totally new score by Vince DiCola. The only other prominent movie that he ever did the music for is Transformers: The Movie. Really? Yes. And the, the, this and that are basically the only big movies wow. he's ever done. Not the Transformers, the movie from like, I'm talking about like cartoon. Yeah, 19- the animated. Exactly. It, it, I love that movie. I, I mean, it doesn't hold up as an adult. I, no, well, I, I mean, that's I, true. I, I haven't I, gone back and watched it. I enjoy it as a corny, you know, nostalgic thing. But I, but I love the score of both movies. I love the score of this movie. I really like Vince DiCola's style. It's so antithetical to, you know, the the classic Rocky scores, and yet somehow it totally works. So, I mean, Eye the Tiger reminded me because that's like a holdover from Rocky 3. But the only one. But yeah, I I think Vince DiCola's score, I listen to it all the time. It's like, it's on my uh, exercise playlist. Really? It pumps me up way more than the classic Rocky music. Wow. It really works for me. All right, so one of the things I noticed, did you happen to notice when we get to Apollo's house, the pool furniture? (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I noticed that he had a TV outside, which he, was unusual at the time. He, like did, that's, he that's, didn't have a th- TV outside. it's a real thing. 80s li- rich guy luxury, having the TV by the See, floor. I wonder, though, about the rich guy, because if you notice the pool furniture, the pool furniture is looking... Oh, is it a little? Yeah, a little, a little grim. I'm wondering. He's got three dogs. They're they're tearing the hell out of that patio furniture. That could be it. I also kind of wonder that maybe Apollo really needed the money from that fight. It wasn't just about the glory. Maybe you know Apollo was falling on hard times. I mean, the MGM Grand probably put up a pretty penny to have that fight uh, there. You know, I'm so. sure that they did. <laughs> Interesting that they hold the fight at the MGM Grand in the movie after MGM purchases United Artists <laughs> and gains the rights to the Rocky franchise. <laughs> it's amazing. It's <isn't laughs> all it? of a sudden, hey, MGM Grand. And featured prominently, and will be featured prominently in future Rocky movies. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. Merchandising. <laughs> merchandising. Well, since you brought up Apollo and his pool, can I move on to the Rocky Pet Watch, which we have to do every uh, Rocky Yes, World? please do. Because, obviously, Apollo has his three golden retrievers. Yep. Uh, I noticed two are swimming and chasing after the balls and there's one dog that looks like super tentative and I never noticed it before. It was just something that jumped out at me. It's like, oh, look, That poor dog is afraid of the water. It, it doesn't want be. to jump in. I didn't notice either. Uh, and then we literally have a pet watch and I'm counting the snake, uh, the, the watch. <laughs> so this is Rocky Pet Watch. There is a pet watch, the snake watch, and then uh, one robot. So and the robot is by far and away the best of all of the pet entry pet entries. Yeah, and you had asked in a previous episode, are we going to count the robot? And it's like that you're, that's a that's the good call. I yeah, we have to count the, ro- the, the robot. I as think a it's pet. required and maybe the the greatest pet. Well, of all time, especially because Rocky's pets have disappeared. I think a lot a lot of those pets, you know, in Rocky One and Two, were to show his humanity. He, you well, know, he's especially uh, the turtle. Without yeah, a doubt. exactly. He loves these animals and. And the turtles are around somewhere because they 're going to reappear in later Rockies, so they 're in that mansion somewhere, but we never see them so <laughs> maybe I should add a question you think they 've just got a whole room to themselves, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's, it's their, that yeah, mansion Cuff link, is massive. Cuff and link have their own guest house out, and, out back. you know <laughs> you think they've got their own little Lamborghini too <laughs> sure i wouldn't be surprised um but yeah the, the robot once again' like taking it, things to the total extremes well that the, total extremes is a Perfect segue for my next one. Okay. All right. So, just in general, the fact that they got James Brown for that opening, he is amazing in so many different ways. Yes. He but here's what I want to say. Did you happen to notice the planes? <laughs> they have an American and a Russian. Yes. Plane. It's World War 1 planes. Russia <laughs> I didn't have an air force. Yeah. I, I noticed that also. I mean, so Apollo, l- come on. You need to get these details right. Let me find my notes about this because I don't think that's Apollo's fault. As I said, I have like seven pages. Wait I, mean, I know I have How notes isn't about that this. It not Apollo's fault. He's the master promoter. I am assuming he is behind all of that presentation. No, he personally called James Brown to get him to perform. No, I suspect because first of all, well, I agree about James Brown. He personally called James Brown to perform. He absolutely did. That is Apollo's contribution to this stage show, this this like entrance that he's giving. But I suspect <laughs> I suspect that the rest of this because this fight is happening You're going to blame the MGM, aren't you? Yes, I am. Or <laughs> whatever but whatever stage show is is playing at the MGM at that time. Because the fight is not in an arena. It's in a theater. Like the stands are they're only on one side of the of the ring, and then the ring's up on a stage like like you're gonna go see a play, so I think there was some kind of a show going on there, and they're like, well, these planes are already here for this show no. <laughs> that's my suspicion because <laughs> here let me list all the things <laughs> just planes are already here because me, i mean here's here's everything i I've got a list of things that are part of this like <laughs> all right this Apollo's entrance the James Brown showcase, whatever you want to call it. All right, so we've got a big transforming ram's head, a golden ram's head. Yes, that I do Apollo remember. Apollo rides down on like a big platform, and like, it doesn't make any sense. So I, okay, we've got voodoo skulls on sticks that Paulie kind of looks at and says, oh, "What's this?" Girls in blue spandex. Girls in three different types of showgirls outfits. Girls in like 1920s flapper outfits. Yep. Girls hanging from the ceiling doing like platform tricks, and there's like male dancers in white tux- tuxedos and top hats, like, you know, and tails. Uh, you've got your biplanes uh, you already mentioned. <laughs> uh, yeah, My note is, did biplanes even exist? By the time no. the Soviet Union came into existence, the biplane was already obsolete, wasn't that, it? Yes, that's my point, is a biplane is a World War <laughs> I right. item, the Soviet Union is World War II. It is historically inaccurate. Well, here's why I think... You're blaming the MGM. I'm blaming Apollo. But here's the, here's the detail that makes me think this was an existing show and these are existing props that were just appropriated <laughs> for this, for this, this James fight. Brown performance. <laughs> okay. There's an animatronic puppet flying the Soviet plane... And he's got, like, World War I aviator, like, a, like a, like a scarf that's flapping behind yeah. him. But then he's also wearing, like, a big, frilly pirate hat. Really? Yes. Oh, I missed that. So that's not Soviet at all. Why is the Soviet pilot wearing a pirate hat? <laughs> this stuff is obviously just taken from some other show, I, th- I that think. That actually makes it even better. I'm going to say now you're, you're right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the blame off of Apollo. I'm going to place it at the feet of the promoter, whoever runs this stage show at the MGM. Yeah, Cause, 'Cause I mean I'm sure uh, James Brown doesn't care. No. It's like he's <laughs> just getting out there to dance and say he feels good. Tell me where to stand, tell me where the microphone is, I'll sing. I don't care what kind of crazy stuff. You can throw you can put all the biplanes you want around me, I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna do my thing no matter what is going on. Oh, that reminds me of a story that I heard some celebrity tell it. I wish I could remember who said it to give proper credit. Someone was on, uh, this is a total tangent, but I have to tell the story. because right. It's so funny. Someone was on celebrity wheel of fortune once with James Brown. Some celebrity was telling the story, but I was on wheel of fortune, celebrity wheel of fortune with James Brown, which by the way, I didn't even know they did a celebrity version of wheel of fortune. It's I always- vaguely remember that. I, Jeopardy is the one that I know, but I vaguely remember a celebrity wheel of fortune. <laughs> Um, but anyway, like, I guess James Brown showed up like 45 minutes late with his big entourage and like he missed like the explanation for all the rules or whatever. So like, <laughs> well, we got to give like James Brown a quick rundown of the rules. So why don't you other two guys, the other two celebrities go into the green room and we'll explain the rules to James Brown. Uh, but they can watch it on the monitors in the green room and say <laughs> so whoever it was said they're explaining the rules to him. And they're like, all right, James, spin the wheel and then you have to pick a letter. And he's like, all right. And they gave it a test. And he spun the wheel. I was like, all right. I, I, I want an E. They're like, well, no, James. That's a vowel. If you spin the wheel, you have to pick a consonant. And he goes, oh, a consonant, huh? And he thought about it a second. and he goes, Europe. <laughs> 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 One of the funniest stories I ever heard outstanding. <laughs> um, so James Brown, you know, he is very single-minded. He knew his music and yes. maybe not much else, but uh, you know, he's very he's great at what he does. I love him in this movie. And I think you're right. He would show up and say, you have going on whatever you want around me. Yeah. It's not going to change my gig. It doesn't matter what else you put around me. I'm the star of this show. I'm James Brown. Yes. So yeah, it doesn't, he doesn't care. He's not, He his, his bulb shines so brightly. He's not He's not intimidated. He's not competing with these biplanes. Do whatever you want. Oh, no man. one's going to be looking at the biplanes. They're gonna looking at me james brown <laughs> i love james brown i mean I genuinely i love him in this i love him in the blues brothers i he's great i also this is one of my favorite the reaction from drago is one of my favorite <laughs> yeah, <laughs> parts of this movie that's another thing is the stage lifts up like some there's must be some kind of elaborate stage show where they've got this hydraulic stage that comes up from underneath from yeah. like backstage somehow it's amazing i love the way they do that it's so, it's so surreal That might be one of the most surreal parts of this movie is the way that Drago comes up up into the MGM Grand. Yeah, and his reactions, just like, wow, America's crazy. (laughs) Yes, what is going on? He is, at that point, he is a proxy even for the American audience. Right. This is so surreal. What is happening right now? Absolutely. He has entered a whole new world of total excess. (laughs) Anyway. All right. what, 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 What do you got next? Uh, I, I got to scroll back because I, oh, I had to find my, I I, my notes about the show. I skipped ahead. No, no, no. I had it in my questions, but that's fine. I was going to... Since we were talking about it, I don't mind skipping that. All right. Okay. It's easy to get distracted by the robot in the scene where the robot appears. But there's a lot more to talk about, I think, in that scene. All right. First of all, Burt Young makes that scene work, I think. He is so funny in that scene. I mean, as comic relief, I can you can see why he... he was moved into that role. Morphed into it, right. Because all his stuff about, like, where's my present? It's parked out in the driveway, and <laughs> the robot comes out. What the hell is this? I, I want a sports car. And that's some walking trash can. <laughs> um, his rea- very similar to Drago's reactions to the, the James Brown show, Bert Young's <laughs> reactions uh, to the robot. I think it's a really funny performance. And then they bring the cake out, <laughs> and it's a cake of, Paulie's face with like a little like icing cigar sticking yeah. out. That's a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Rodney Dangerfield in this movie. I love it so much. You're right, he is. And then he uh, he asked for help to blow out the cameras or the, the, candles, the candles, and uh, yeah, he, yeah, he drowned in me. <laughs> I love Paulie in this movie. I know that I think uh, when we talked about Rocky One, and I you were kind of appalled at how uh, I had said that I liked Paulie as a character. <laughs> And you were like, what? You were like so appalled by this. But now maybe you understand. I mean, I'm I- thinking about this, Polly. I, I can understand, and there definitely has been a metamorphosis of <laughs> yes. Paulie from Rocky One to Rocky Four. Yeah. What he never threw a turkey out of a window. He never. It was never. He was never like horribly emotionally abusive. To Adrian. What that never happened. <laughs> this movie I mean, wants to forget all of that. It definitely wants to. I mean, wants to forget a lot. There's casual racism from Paulie. Oh yeah. There. I mean, there's just a lot, right? So yeah, This movie does. It really felt like my sister talking back to you. I want you to sucker in the mouth. That was whatever he said in Rocky Two. He said some really rough stuff. Right. And so what I think is is that without Burgess Meredith, you know, you, you got a little bit when Burgess Meredith left, in, you know, died in Rocky III. Oh, Star- Burgess Meredith didn't die. Mickey uh, You're right. I'm sorry. When Mickey dies, yeah. you're right, but they uh, wrote Burgess Meredith out of the the series right. with Mickey's death you get in the back half of that movie, although it's also mixed in with some casual racism from Pauly, you get some of the comic relief is starting, and they really dial it up here. And yeah. Which is funny, because in the front half of Rocky Three, you have probably the stand-up comedian version of Mickey, who's just got zinger after zinger in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he becomes the comic relief until... Oh, 100%. until uh, That's some of my favorite stuff, actually, in the entire series. Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right, uh, so my next one... All right, so I'm going to skip ahead to a couple of those KGB guys. I l- I'm sorry. I forgot to bring up the last detail about that scene no, with go ahead. Was The fact that he's wearing a little red plastic cowboy <laughs> hat. I, I just <laughs> didn't like want the, to forget that. The cheap elastic yeah. that's holding it on. That's such a funny detail. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just, it's all right. I forgot to mention that. So I, I love when you get the first time when Rock heads over and they land the plane and they get out, the snow is going so just so heavy. Yeah. But it, it's even better. It's like, there's one KGB guy in particular. His face is just covered in snow. Yeah, they're used to it. They're Russian. Guy that is <laughs> you, that's another level of absurdity. You're telling me that at some point I've been in, you know, heavy snowstorms. No, I'm trying to clear that snow off of my that's face. That's what the beard is for. Is to catch the snow. It's not on his face, it's on his beard. It's a snow trap. That's why they, they draw those beards. <laughs> The one guy gives them like, a really like funny nod, too. He's like, yes. hey, what's up? Very slow. like I'm KGB. Vague, you're you know, Vaguely menacing, vaguely friendly kind of a nod. He's like, I acknowledge you, Rocky he, Balboa. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's hedging his bets. Right. He probably would have been the first, one of the first guys. Because he kind of, you're right, that nod, he would have been one of the first ones in that stadium. Rocky. rock. <laughs> right. rock. As soon as he smelled and sensed Ooh, there might be a turn in this I'm gonna I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be the first mover. Yeah, it looks like it might be an indication of respect that nod. <laughs> but it also could be like I'm watching you, buddy. It's, I it's, got my eyes on it's you. It's totally ambiguous, but it's a it's a it's an interesting moment. Alright, what else you got? Um we talked about a couple of the songs in this movie, which are so 80s cheese, and I love them so much. That song... No Easy Way Out? The no Easy Way Out is a great one. That's, that's where he's driving around his Lamborghini. Yes. But no, uh, uh, when they land in Russia, and uh, it's a song called Burning Heart, and it's by Survivor who did uh, uh, Eye of the Tiger. So it's like, here, write us a new song. So didn't become as big or as iconic yeah. as Eye of the Tiger. But I like it a lot more. I think that's a great song. It's it's corny 80s cheese. Okay. But I just think Burning Heart. I don't, know, I, I don't remember the song as well. It's the one that's just like... I just want to get you to sing. <laughs> I'm happy to sing if it'll help you remember. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the part that's in the movie. Because I'm thinking of the soundtrack where a lot of yeah. it's not. It's Okay, the plane's landing and it's like... In the warrior's code, there's no surrender. Oh, yeah. Okay. When your body says stop, his spirit cries, never. Yep. It's really strident and really like trying Big. to be inspirational in a way that's kind of silly, but also kind of works. Big time. I I, I like that song. I like all the music, because uh, Hearts on Fire is another one. I forget who does that one. That's part of the montage. Hearts on fire, strong <laughs> yeah. desire. Yeah. That's that's a great one. That's a uh, great. That's continue. a good rendition of that Thank too. You. I listen to that soundtrack all the time. I'm, I literally twice a week is probably not an exaggeration. That's crazy. Rages deep within, I I know all the lyrics. That'll tell you how often I I, I listen to this song. <laughs> all right, so oh. But speaking of the lyrics, as a kid, I always misunderstood because in Hearts on Fire, there's a line where something about spire. Oh, it's a. Uh, in the darkest night, rising like a spire. And as a kid, I always thought you was saying spider. Rising oh, like a see, spider. I can see why you'd think that. And it was like, how does a spider rise? It always confused well, me as can. a kid. when it's moving up its, I guess, you know, when it's uh, <laughs> repelled all the way down, and it's pulling itself back up. But I can see why you might. I don't think I knew what a spire was when yeah, I was a kid. I wouldn't have known either. Anyway, sorry. I'll stop talking about the music. No, that's alright. I want. I, I got one. I want to go back uh, for a little detail on Paulie. I love, you know, so the fight, now that we covered it in the big picture, but the fight is going to be on Christmas Day in the Soviet Union. I love that while Rock is training over there, you, you get that Polly is getting in the Christmas spirit by listening to the Chipmunks. Yeah, like is there anything more perfect than Polly choosing the Chipmunks? I imagine that the reason why they're listening to that is because that's the only Christmas music available in the Soviet <laughs> Union. <laughs> this very secular, you know, religion is not allowed. Yes. Type of a. It would be this, and oh no, because it would have to, no, because it has the word Christmas in it. I think what he's listening to Christmas, sure. Christmas time of year. But you're right; it's not. It's not the religious song you know christmas carols so the other one i imagine i imagine would be available would be a, a dominic the italian christmas donkey might be the other one that would be available <laughs> i have no idea what that's a you real don't christmas know thing. that one no oh it's a it's a great one <laughs> is that an actual song yes is that, it is it absolutely that's not is. a reference to some show no or anything no it is absolutely a real dominic song. what is it dominic the italian christmas donkey <laughs> I've never heard of this. Yeah, I, so I I certainly have heard it many times. Is it just some kind of like novelty song, like Grandma got run over by a reindeer? It, it's similar to that and okay. has a cult following. But it also there's a reference in one of the lyrics to the name Josephine. So, and my daughter's name is Josephine. So it also has a a special place in in our house because one of my kids' names is actually in the song. Wait a minute. Obviously, wait it's wait not about now. her. Well, wait a minute now. What was, what was the chicken and the egg? You didn't name Josephine no, after the song. Did we didn't you? name her. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. The way you said that, it almost made it sound like no, if you that's want. why you named her that. No, we, uh, actually, we were looking for girl names that you could have a boy nickname. We had a few. Uh, and actually, her great-grandmother, we didn't name her after her great-grandmother, but her great-grandmother's name was Josephine as oh. well. All right, so let's get back on track yes. here. Just to full circle, him listening to Chipmunks, 100% perfect for Polly. I view that as that might have been his choice, too. Even if there were more religious-type songs available, I think that that's right in Paulie's Wheelhouse. Sure. I love this song. What else you got? All right. It's time for a Leroy Neiman watch. We have our pet watch. We also have a watch for Leroy Neiman, who once again appears as his ring announcer character. Yes. And he has the honor of delivering all of Apollo Creed's various nicknames, which I really enjoy. Please, <laughs> I have please the go list to, of them. Please go to the nicknames, because I've got one that I want to highlight. We'll see oh, if Oh, I get think there. it's the same one. It, it's the best boxer nickname ever, and right. this movie has, you know, no one can ever use it because the uh, Rocky IV uses it, but the Dancing Destroyer, the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto, and there are two more that are un- <laughs> unintelligible because uh, Rocky and Apollo are talking, and then he says, the Master of Disaster, the one and only Apollo Creed, so we at least get four of his nicknames here. And is outstanding. And Drago has an unbelievable nickname as well. Is there anything more perfect than Death from Above? I mean, he's also the Siber- Siberian Bull, so that's not bad either. The Siberian Bull is pretty good, but Death from Above is pretty outstanding. That's pretty good. It, it I mean, it beats the it, Count of Monte Cristo, <laughs> though. You're right. It the can't. Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, and you know, you know, Apollo came up with that one on his own. Hundred oh, percent. That was his nickname. Yes, but in real life, you know that Sylvester Stallone really patted himself on the back when he thought he broke his arm, patting himself on the back. The Count of Monte is so good; (laughs) it's so good. How is this just a throwaway joke detail in Rocky Four? It shouldn't be. This should be his primary nickname. It should have been. I mean, obviously, it's jokey in a way that maybe wouldn't fit in Rocky One or Two. What's funny (laughs) is that that intro listening to it it of rem- uh, it reminds me of the boxing episode of the simpsons i have to get a simpsons reference on it i just because uh, homer's nicknames are absolutely outstanding the brick hit house the immovable object homer simps <laughs> i forgot about the brick hit house that's pretty good no too. that's the one that is the equi- <laughs> it's the simpsons equivalent of the, <laughs> the count, count of, of mount month- the, the brick yeah. hit house <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that may have the kind of Manifesto beat. I, I don't know if it has it beat, but that is, that is the Simpsons equivalent. Yeah. So. Anyway, just need to make sure we're looking out for Leroy Neiman and his mustache. I think we'll have one more appearance of his mustache, two more appearances of him. Okay. I think at some point he loses the mustache, which is a real tragedy. That is, I, I might sad. be wrong. I, I, I have to admit, as big a Rocky fan as I am, and I know he re- reoccurs in the later Rocky movies, I, I don't know where he is. I always noticed him as a kid. He's like, wow, look at that guy with that mustache. It's crazy. But I think once he loses, I think the reason why I don't notice him later is because he loses the mustache, mustache and therefore he, doesn't look like himself. Right. He's not identifiable. I think is what happens. Well, we'll see when we get there. All right. I have a criticism here and I'm, I'm going to highlight it here. Okay. This line is just so painful. And I know we, we've we both gone out of our way to not criticize child actors. And I'm not going to criticize the actor. I'm going to criticize the writer. Okay. What do you think we are, nerds? I disagree. I love that delivery. I think. Are you serious? I think it's intentionally like dry and droll. I think Stallone probably gave him a line reading. It's like, say it like this. What do you think we are, nerds? I think it's supposed to be like. Okay, first of all, he's rolling his eyes. Like, really? Give me a break. I'm gonna deliver this like. It's it's a flat delivery, but I think it's done on purpose as like a punchline. I have more issues with the line. Those okay, kids, fair enough. Those <laughs> kids are not. None of those kids are saying. What do you think we are, nerds? I in think 1985. I think a kid. I think a, kid, no. I think a could, kid would say that, but not in that context. Because uh, you know the kid who still has no name in this movie. By the thank way, thank you. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Yeah, he, they just didn't want to name him. Ryan There's Stallone a didn't want to name parents the parents. I mean, Rocky and Adrian have named this child. We just don't know what it is. We, we've never really learned what this kid's name is yet. So they, the, they propose the kid, Rocky Jr. The kid is not Jr. important enough of a character for us to even get his name. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfunctory character. It's <laughs> they like, leave him with a <laughs> robot. It does feel like Stallone's like, well, I'm stuck with this. Ki- we had Adrian get pregnant as a plot device in Rocky Two, and now we got this I got to do something. I, I got to figure out what to do with this kid every movie. <laughs> Um, so we're going to have him watching TV and saying, "What do you think we are, nerds?" No, but that that the, line is terrible. Rocky Jr doesn't say it. What well, he's he they're watching the fight. I know. They're watching the in, the introductions to the fight, I think. And yeah, cuz it's when Rocky's coming in and then cuts to the kids and he goes, "That's hey, my dad." That's my dad. Yeah, that's We, we know. One kid goes, "We know." And the other kid goes, "What do you think we are, nerds?" It doesn't make sense as a response to that's my dad. No. Cuz like what does that mean that and no, not kid, knowing no kid that would say that. I think a kid would say context. that, but like, not knowing who Rocky Balboa is would make you a nerd. I guess is the implication. I guess. I think a kid would say, "What do you think we are, nerds?" Kids are very concerned about being considered nerds. At least we're in the '80s. Maybe in the Less '80s. So now, I was saying now. Actually, I think it's a compliment. That's true. I, mean, I guess. Yeah. That's I absolutely. was just actually in San Francisco in one of the gimmick like shirts and one of the. Uh, hotel T-shirt shop, you know that I saw. It was, Talk to me, nerdy. It was actually <laughs> one of the oh, shirts that I saw. So, uh, yeah, that, you're right. The, nowadays, that wouldn't be an insult, but at the time, this is the age of the revenge of the nerds. It's like being called a nerd is the biggest insult in the world. 1980s. It's true. Well, they got the ultimate revenge, right? I, They've that, taken over the world. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe the reason why I don't notice or am, I'm not bothered by that line. Is because that's the shot where the robot is revealed with the Santa Claus hat and beard. So I'm just too distracted by the robot back there. Can I, th- already, I got this in question. I don't care. I'm moving it up. Yeah, it's just did, this did is, is going to be ro- more freewheeling than normal. Did the robot dress itself in the beard? <laughs> no, I think I think the, the or do you think the that the, or is that vandalism up? by the kids? Well, especially when you consider now that uh, Pauly has reprogrammed this robot to be female, presumably. And now they've got him in a beard. It's like all the gender confusion that the robot must be going through. You know what I mean? It's like a, a trendsetter. So know? then it might have actually, it may have been that these kids were vandalizing this poor robot. I think the kids did that 100%. But the, kid, the robot seemed fine. It was back there nodding and just kind of like, you know, it was content back there. It didn't look like it was trying to shake off. You know how you put like, like boots, on on, a dog. Yeah, boots on a dog and it like freaks out and tries to shake off the boots? Uh, the robot seemed fine. It wasn't trying to get that beard off of itself. It was perfectly comfortable. It looked like. I mean, we don't get the robot's point of view, so who knows? I wish Rocky hadn't lost all his money between Rocky Four and Rocky Five. <laughs> the little robot could have come back. I'm sure that's a question we we'll, we'll talk about in Rocky Five. How did he lose all that money? Well, no. I mean, we learn how he loses all the money. That's that's a conversation for Rocky Five. But. Um, and you've seen Rocky Five. This is a minor spoiler for Rocky Five, but whatever. That's the I've seen it. That's the the worst Rocky movie. I think everyone agrees, so it's not a big deal. to Spoil a tiny bit. But he he loses. I mean, he already said he loses all his money, and so they have like an estate sale. And it's like part of the the plot is like, oh, it's my old motorcycle with the the bull on it. I'm gonna yeah, I'm losing all this. The robot's nowhere to be seen. So it, it, you have to think, well, the robot must be in this estate sale somewhere. It's some <laughs> it's somewhere in this massive like stack of objects. I'm afraid something may have happened to the robot. Before then, you think so? Yeah, I still don't get what you're getting at here. I just, I, Polly, I I Polly has a dark history in Rocky One and Rocky Two. I'm afraid something happened to the robot. That's all I'm. <laughs> I don't say. think it's that dark. <laughs> it's not leaving the robot in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Paulie's capable of that. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, what? but somehow now I have an image. <laughs> your image, <of>, your <laughs> Robot, lean. It's, it's like that shoot. shot in ET, where the where ET is like at the side of the road. And he, yeah, he couldn't make it to the to the whatever he was trying to build the the communicating. That poor robot. <laughs> Your perception of Paulie is totally different from mine, because okay. I couldn't I mean, obviously, Paulie has your idea right, of Dark Pass. He, he said some bad things in the previous movies. But, but you don't think he'd I leave the think, robot in a ditch? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, I, I imagine that the robot was sold like chattel. You know, it was, the, it, it, was given a, it was given intelligence, it was given a personality, it was given free will, and then it was sold. Do you think like maybe Brewster from Brewster's Millions or somebody like that might have picked up the robot? <laughs> maybe. Actually, speaking of Wall Street, I couldn't find it, and this is for later, but I'll say it now. I could swear I saw that robot in the background of, of Wall Ooh. Street somewhere. That's a. I mean, I've seen either, that movie so many times. That's a good question. Either in Bud what's his name? Bud Fox. Bud Fox's condo or in Gordon Gecko's house. It, it, Someone, one of them owned that robot, I feel like, and I tried to find it and I couldn't find it. It would seem more like it would be Gecko, and it would be like a toy for his kid. Yeah, I think that might have been it. It might Next have been, time you watch Wall I'll, Street. When i look, go home from recording tonight. I'll go pull up <laughs> Wall Street and see if I can find okay. it. Okay, I, I, I didn't want to watch the whole movie. I didn't have time yeah. for that. No, yeah. I, the, the scene that makes the most sense are this, the limit, and I don't that's another one where <laughs> Gecko's child certainly doesn't matter that much, but he doesn't. Oh, yeah, you know, but That's, that that seems like where it would be. Rudy is actually his name. Okay, so, which then the sequel to Wall Street they make up that he had a second child that is never whatever. Oh right. right. Well, after she was born, after I know, was she whatever. right. Yes, yeah, she. Okay, I thought so. All right, so that was actually mine because we're we're still on a tangent from nerds. Okay, which yes, I can't I'm sorry. stand. All right, so you're up next. What do you got? Oh, I thought you had more. Okay. Well, I've got more, but just not on no, nerds. No, I, th- I thought you had more on the nerds. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to run through all the magazine articles as I tend to do in this situation? Yes, let's hear them. Alright, so first one is just what introducing Drago. It's Sports Illustrated. It says, Russians invade US sports. And there's a photo of Ivan Drago. And then in the article, it says uh, Soviet boxing champion Drago and Olympic swim champion wife. Which I thought was kind of insulting that she doesn't They don't give her name, right? I mean, I guess her name is is also Drago, but it could they could say first name or something Miller or whatever. Okay. And then the text of this article, (laughs) you know how I like this finding the actual text. Usually they either take an existing article and it's just an existing article or it's nonsense text. This one. Here's how the article starts. Ivan Drago, in those nine minutes, Camacho jabbed, firing machine gun combinations before Ramirez could retaliate. It just stuck (laughs) Ivan Drago at the front of the article in a way that doesn't actually fit the sentence. Just in case you read the first two words of the article. That's great. Um, Then this is an article about an August 10th, 1985 fight where Hector Macho Camacho defeated... Jose Luis Ramirez by unanimous decision to win the WC, WBC but lightweight belt. I remember Hector Macho Camacho. Yeah, he fought, fought for a long time. He won the title mm-hmm. in 85. He was still fighting well into the 90s. Yes, because I, I wouldn't have been aware of any boxer in the 80s, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next is Ring Magazine. The cover says Red Star versus Old Glory. This is about the uh, the Apollo Creed Drago fight. Las Vegas is the place for Apollo Creed's gamble, which I thought was kind of a well-written... Yeah, so. uh, whoever put that cover together was actually trying, <laughs> unlike some later ones. Um, and then, But I do... Actually, I take it back, because the pictures in this one is weird, because there's a picture of Drago, there's a picture of Creed, and then there's a there's weird inserts of both of their wives on the bottom. Like on the oh, cover, I remember this, on that one. On the cover yeah. of this magazine, and it's like, okay, you know, Ivan Drago's wife, Ludmilla, is a yes, famous a swimmer, like, yeah, but... We have no indication that Apollo's wife uh, is anybody of note, other know? than it's Apollo's wife, and we're we know the character, right? Yeah. I don't think she's supposed to be like famous for any reason other than that. So it's just a strange, like, yeah, why? Why are the and why are the wives? Even if they were both famous, why are the wives part of the story about their fight? That's a strange. O- only thing. because you've got the scenes in the movie with them speaking to each other. That's the only reason why. Sure, I mean, obviously, like Apollo's wife is is. Hardly a character in this movie. It's not as if it's a major part of. Like we never even really see her. I guess we see her at the funeral. You know, one shot of her at the funeral. Oh, you get her in the uh, in the actual match as well. Oh, during Apollo's match. Yeah. But I'm saying after Apollo's fight. Oh, yeah. She disappears from the story where well, you, you would expect her to. Her her husband has died, and you would think this would have impact her immensely. <laughs> it's and it's it's one of those things. I'm getting off on a tangent now. I I mean. I, it's hard to talk about Rocky 4 without getting off on a million tangents. T- t- so I, I hope this is listenable. But um I'm glad that Creed kind of resolved this to a degree. Not yeah. to get too ahead and spoil I mean you've seen Creed, so it's not really a spoiler, but the fact that Creed acknowledges like Rocky basically never spoke to her again. <laughs> it's like it totally feels that way based on this movie. It's like if if you know Apollo was his best friend and that's he terrible. just does not care about, you know, Apollo's wife at all. The movie doesn't care about her as a character. No. Uh, Rocky doesn't care about her. It's like, I'm just going to go to Russia and, you know. All right, I'm going to avenge Apollo's death. It's about me. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's his about wife. Him. I'm not worried about how, <laughs> how she's holding up. Yeah, she was, it's his wife. Send and, her a cablegram, something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that character comes back in Creed and becomes a character in Creed and that, that's addressed. Agreed. Uh, anyway, Boxing Magazine cover Vegas fights. And then it says experience and style versus youth and power, Superman versus super hype. And then I went, I might notice, which is which? <laughs> which is Superman and which is super hype? I guess Apollo is Superman. No, I'm sorry. But, Apo- but Apollo. Apollo can't be super hype because they know that he's legit. I mean, he's older now, but. I take that headline as well. Apollo is a showman and he is super hype. He's the one hyping the oh, match. yeah. The, He's I up I there with James Brown. Sure, but when I, hear, when I see Super Hype, that sounds like the magazine saying, oh, he's not I could, for I, real. Yeah, I could, I can see how you could take both of those either way. They, they, it, I'd say that that headline is pretty ambiguous because either one of the two could be each of those two, Superman yeah, or Super Hype. I think so too. All right, the sporting news, Apollo Creed, Ivan Drago meet press today. And the text is about a strike between the United Auto Workers and Chrysler Corp. <laughs> Uh, Coca, Oh yeah, I guess so. I was actually thinking. I saw. The, I read the text. I was like, When's the last time you heard about like a giant strike like that? With, like thousands of workers or like tens of thousands of workers? I guess like maybe teachers. That that's probably that's the closest. Probably that the only thing left. Yeah. Uh, okay. Unknown newspaper sports section. Rocky versus Drago for guilt or glory. This is now getting into Rocky's uh, fight with Drago. Public outraged over Apollo's death, and then the text is. We could have won more games here, but you can't pout. You can't feel sorry for yourself. We've got to keep scratching and clawing. Maybe the off day tomorrow will help us erase it from our memory banks. I guess it was an article about a baseball it's game. It's got to be about baseball. That <laughs> <laughs> seems like a very inappropriate text where it's like, Apollo killed. It's like, eh, we'll just shake it off. We'll get him We'll get him next time. <laughs> yeah, There's plenty more where that came from. Um, oh, yeah, I, I did... It was, uh, about the Kansas City Royals losing the first two games of the 85 World Series, which they came back and won. So yeah. I did actually look it up. All right. Rolling Stone, which is, seems weird. They're doing, they have sports on their cover. Uh, Rolling Stone, people protest against Apollo's killer. Public seed, oh, public sea red. I wrote seed. I that, that must say <laughs> public sea red. Anger grows. Who is responsible for Apollo's death? So apparently, uh, well, let me get through them, then I'll, I'll, I'll finish that thought. New York Post. Boxing Commission KOs Rocky. Will not sanction fight. Wait two years, quote unquote. <laughs> Newsweek. Rocky versus Russian. Parenthesis. Pride or suicide? Rocky gives up title to avenge Apollo's death. And so that is not really touched on in the movie at all, but uh, that's what I want to talk about. All right. U.S. Magazine. Death from above. Bomb threats protest Russian presence. Russian wife fears for husband's life. And the last one is US News and World Report Rocky versus Drago, fight impact heard around the world. So there's a lot of like plot going on there that is totally glossed over including Rocky giving up his title apparently. Yeah, I I saw or noticed that this time through for sure. And I I think I have in in past viewings that uh the stakes are pretty high that Rocky just decides I'm going to do this and everything else be damned. I wish I could remember how Rocky Five starts. I don't think it ends up being canon that he gives up his title. Really? I think in Rocky V, he still... He, he retires. And he says, I'm, you know... Giving up my title, I think so. Rocky Five, I'm the murkiest on, so maybe I'm misremembering. But I think that's how Rocky Five starts. With well, him, him handing over the title after he retires. They, I mean, they certainly don't give dialogue to it, so that's probably in this. So that's probably how they figure. Oh, don't worry about it. Nobody will ever notice, and we can just gloss over. Well, it. that's that's what I was gonna say. Is my understanding is. There was a lot of story. This movie is like 89 minutes. It's so quick. This yeah. movie moves, man. This movie does. <laughs> it really moves. And it's because there's apparently a big chunk of the movie has been cut out here. After Apollo's death, there was going to be a lot more. I mean, kind of like Rocky Three, how he struggles with Mickey's death and he yeah, throws the helmet at the statue and all. That. Yeah, the actual character moments about Rocky dealing with what happened. I mean, it literally cuts from Apollo's funeral right to a press conference. Rocky and and Drago. It skips over a huge chunk of the story that I think he had written. And these, you know, this montage of newspaper articles is supposed to like cover the gap. I was like, eh, don't worry about it. So I think I think the original script was much more about like Rocky deciding to give up his title and that being a difficult decision. I want to fight Drago and I don't care what, the, you know, and like actual scenes of him trying to, you know, talk to the boxing commission, whatever. And it's it's gone. Like just straight from Apollo's death to Rocky press conference to fight Drago. It's crazy. In some ways that might have been a detriment too. it would have made it a fuller and I guess more real movie and that probably would have been to its detriment. <laughs> That's true. You're right. What we were talking about earlier about this being so committing bonkers. To the, yeah, to the absurdity. Yeah, so you're, you're right. It would have grounded it in a way that probably would have harmed the movie. Anyway, those are all the newspapers that are in that montage. All right, so I, I want to talk a little bit of uh, a moment that I just, well, I don't know if it's a moment, but the fact that that boxing arena in Russia had to be just sweltering. Yes. Because, well, it's, I mean, maybe they don't, it's, it's probably like 20 degrees outside Fahrenheit, so. Well, maybe, because it's the opening introductions, and both of them are Covered and (laughs) soaked in sweat, and glistening perfect. That's the stylistic choice. (laughs) I know it is, but I just wanted to note it, because it makes me laugh. I mean, in every scene, Rambo is glistening also. I mean, that's the Southeast Asia, so that also makes sense. But, like, Stallone worked very hard, obviously. This 1985 body that he has is the peak bodybuilding Stallone. Like, Rambo 2 and Rocky Four are the same year, and he never was this jacked again, I don't think. And, and uh, you know, uh, Adolf Lundgren also. It's like, you know, this is just like bodybuilder stuff. They're just oiling themselves up. They got the Greets man backstage to oil them up. I just wanted to highlight it, that's all. <laughs> yeah, you're. Right. I mean, yes. I mean, he's probably like glistening even when he's in that like, barn, you know, <laughs> doing his, his training montage. Probably. This is no pain. No pain. <laughs> uh, okay, what else do I have? Oh, just a little note uh, that uh, I never really noticed until this viewing, which is rare that there are things about Rocky Four I'm not I never noticed before. But between Rocky and this is speaking of the glistening bodies, actually, sp- between Rocky Three and Four, Apollo has shaved his chest. Never something that I noticed before. Oh, I never noticed th- that either. I feel like this movie is like the peak of like, and this is like post-Schwarzenegger becoming famous. So I think a bodybuilder culture has probably become a thing that has affected this franchise in a way that, yeah, that it hadn't in Rocky Three. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good catch. I think all three of them look like bodybuilders in a way that they didn't before. Yeah. Before they looked like boxers. <laughs> I, uh, that's a good catch. Yeah. I mean, he's in good shape in Rocky Three, but like this is like... <laughs> speaking of things that can't exist on Earth, it's like that torso can't exist on Earth. He looks ridiculous. <laughs> it does not look r- real. All right, so let me get to something that doesn't seem real that I absolutely loved. I didn't get which one because that boxing match between Drago and Rocky is absurd and crazy. But I loved that one of the headshots that Rocky gets in on Drago, there's a sound effect that just sounds like a watermelon exploding. <laughs> yes. It was outstanding. Oh, that's definitely a thing. Uh, the sound effects people, this is a documented fact that. Some of the punches they snuck in like artillery, you know, sounds really? to, to, to land the punches. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. The, the, another thing that really heightens this movie. Um, oh yeah, I def, you're one hundred percent right. So, the, the, the one they that, don't sound like punches. No, it sounds they don't. Like explosions going off. Yes, but the one I don't know. It just had a, a feeling to me like a giant watermelon. I'm like that is great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, I want to put a spotlight on Drago's trainer. He has two trainers. There's one guy one who's, one who's an actual trainer and the other that seems to be like KGB or something. Uh, I mean, he's the one that they're constantly cutting to in the corner and he's like, Sha, sh-ha, sh-ha! he's speaking Russian. Yeah. He gets one opportunity to speak English in this movie and I, I find it so funny. Man, I forgot it. Because, well, it, it's... I never... It's, it's only after, like, dozens and dozens of viewings that this became funny to me because he never speaks in English. And you think, like, oh, he can't speak English, probably. He's probably just, you know, he's, he's, he's Drago's Russian. trainer. Yeah. He speaks Russian. But, no, uh, one of the – and I think this is in the scene where they're demonstrating Drago's power. He's punching the thing. 1,850 pounds. Um, whatever he hits, he destroys. Uh, I love that scene. But so a reporter asks him a question and his only word he ever speaks in english he goes well and then the, the uh, like his handler the main handler let me take this question and he totally shuts him down so it's like oh he can speak english like i never know he says well like totally, perfectly clear You're well right. and that that's going to give me another simpsons reference just ask this scientist. Uh, uh, what he tell you is, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same. Like, a, it's per, the same comedic rhythm and everything. It's, <laughs> I, it's, I never noticed it for like, all through my childhood, all this stuff. And then once I noticed it, it's, it's so funny. In a way. Just ask this scientist, Because it's when he's uh, like, it, it makes a man a better man. A superman. You know, it, it, he gives that whole speech. He had to interrupt the trainer and "I am, I'll take oh, this one. That is great. Um, yeah, it makes me laugh every time now. I I didn't really have any other good little details, so I'll let you run with, uh, oh, with what else you I, got. I have so many more. Uh, we gotta stop at some point. I know. Maybe I'll, I'll pick two or three we more. We still have questions. I know. We've been we've been going almost two hours now, and it's we're, we're like. I mean, I I kind of thought like, well, this is a short movie. This might end up being a short episode, but no, of course not. Of course not. I mean, we could probably go for another three hours. Let's yes. not let's not do that. No, we can't. Uh, okay, I have a question about the timeline, and I think this is really where. I mean, Rocky Three. There were some issues about like in because Rocky Two takes place in nineteen seventy six. Still, even though it came out in seventy nine. And then Rocky III is treating it like he won the title three years prior, even though it was six years prior. And so that's causing some murky things with the timeline. There's more here, because we know for sure it's been nine years since Rocky and Adrian got married, because he comes in with his cake, and they talk about, no, it's been nine years since we got married. Exactly. He gives her his pr- pr- prize for being married to me for nine years. Uh, so it's been nine years, and that totally tracks. 76 to 85 Perfect. The one of the few times the Rocky timeline makes sense. All right. But then when, the, when Apollo's talking about fighting Drago, multiple times they say, Well, you haven't been you haven't fought for five years. You haven't been in the ring for five years. Oh, I missed that. At least twice. Two people two different people say it's been five years. Okay. So did Apollo continue to fight after he lost the title? That doesn't seem right. It doesn't that seem doesn't, like something. That he doesn't would do. sound no, it doesn't sound like Apollo. Right. It sounds like he you know, he would fight for the title or nothing. Or nothing. Like, oh, I'll take a couple smaller fights. Like, it doesn't seem like him at all. No. He's got to be the center of attention or, or he's got to leave the party. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I wholeheartedly agree. That does not line up. I thought it was very strange that they specifically say five years. Because I think that's one of those things it seems like sometimes Stallone, the screenwriter, forgets that Rocky II is set in 76. I think when he wrote five years, you'd probably like oh, it's 79. It five years ago. Right? But it's not five years ago. No, it's nine years ago. Rocky II literally picks up Yes. Immediately after Rocky won. Rocky and Adrian got married in the same year that Apollo lost his title. That is for sure. Whether it took place in 79 or 76, it's the same movie. It took place in the same year. So those two numbers shouldn't be different. I I just find that strange. I wholeheartedly agree. All right. What else do I... I'm going to pick out the best ones because I have a lot of stuff. So much (laughs) stuff. We'll have to do a bonus episode to just let you list all your additional (laughs) stuff. Well, there's so many little moments that I just love. Uh, we never really talked about Apollo reacting to the robot, which is one of the best moments (laughs) in the movie. What the hell is that? (laughs) And then there's a whole scene with the robot. This is where it reveals the robot is now a a female and is, is uh, romantically involved with, with Pauly gets him a beer and then the robot leaves and I swear, Carl Weathers is a comedic genius. He really is because he does like a septuple take, or he's like keeps checking to see if the robot's gone. Before uh, 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 anyway, as I was saying, and he keeps looking like, is the robot coming back? He's, <laughs> the robot go get a beer. He's so freaked out, and he like doesn't really want to acknowledge. I mean, his initial reaction is freaked out. What the hell is that? But then afterwards he's, just, he's trying to play it off but he he's like weirded out that nobody else is reacting to the robot. It's so it's a pitch perfect comedic moment. He never breaks character. It's not too much for Apollo. It's so good. I just I wish Apollo would intervene and say, "Rock, you are just wasting. You got yeah. two Lamborghinis and a robot?" She's like, "Rocky, yeah, I am also very wealthy, and I'm going to tell you right now that you should not be own, <laughs> you should not own this robot." Yes. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, and also a detail that I never really noticed before. They've broken out the champagne for Apollo just because he's visiting. Like, he's just come by. He's just stopping by. And they've broken out champagne for him. I remember the champagne. Wasn't that? To, I, thought, I thought that was because he had decided to move forward with the fight against Drago. I mean, maybe, but, I mean, they're talking about it as if it's, you know, they're advising him whether or not to do it, right? So it doesn't seem like a done deal. He wants to do it. Yeah, I, but guess, I don't think it's official. I guess actually. maybe you're right. Maybe that's just how much Rock wants to spend money. That people would just come over and it's oh well, we'll have some champagne. I mean, to be fair, Rocky lives in Philadelphia, and uh, although I think this is the only Rocky movie that films zero percent of itself in Pennsylvania, it's like they shot this movie in L.A., uh, which is kind of a bummer, considering you know it's, it's the old, I think the only Rocky movie period that doesn't have the steps, the the museum steps. A ton of stuff, like, there's just no Philadelphia component to this movie at all, which is actually kind of a bummer. Yeah. But presumably, Apollo had to fly to Philadelphia to have this casual conversation, so maybe that's why. I did notice, uh, never noticed before, also, I mean, watching these movies as closely as we do for this podcast, there's somehow things I never noticed before. Rocky Jr., like, when it fades to that scene... Rocky Jr. is pushing a glass of champagne towards Pauly as if Paulie had let him drink it. And he's, like, sneakily oh. <laughs> pushing it back towards paulie. That sounds 100% accurate the character. I think it's a thing that they probably cut out. It's like, eh, let's not do that. Let's not show that. That is but funny. It, it's like the aftermath of him sneaking a sip of champagne, Yeah, which I, I thought was uh, funny. I think that's great. Oh, uh, there's another bad uh, split diopter shot, which I've been harping on a lot lately. Uh, yes. Is it Rambo, though? Was it? I don't think there's a split diopter in Rambo. No, you, you gave credit to a movie recently that did it. Well, oh, it was um It was that cop movie. Night, Night yeah, Hawks. Nighthawks. Yeah, Nighthawks had, had a good one. one. Yeah, okay. Um no this uh, Rocky Four has a bad one. I think I think this is one of the f- spots I'm gonna criticize uh, Stallone's direction. It's the it's the establishing shot of the uh, um of the funeral. And there's a statue in the foreground. Oh, Yep. In focus, and then the funerals in the background in focus, and you can really see the line where the the split is. I don't I, remember the line as much, but I at least do you recall know the shot the scene. I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a. I always notice it, and it always drives me crazy. Uh, all right, let's move on to Devil's Advocate. I want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want to have them answered immediately. So this is the segment where we come up with questions that we ask each other and do our best to answer from scenes or plot points in the movie. Yeah. So there's a big question I we have to address. I think, I think you've basically already given your opinion on this. All right. Well, why don't you lead off with it? Okay. It's the biggest question in this movie. Is Pauly sleeping with this robot? Yes or no? <laughs> Is Pauly having sexual relations with the robot? Okay. <laughs> my answer is unequivocally yes. Okay, I, I I haven't figured out how the technology would work yes. in 1985. Yes, once again, the logistics of this—we don't have to get into. I won't get into it. But my answer to your question is yes. We know that she loves him. Like that's that's a stated fact in this movie. <laughs> Just ridiculous. I guess it's not a fact. It's Pauly's opinion paulie thing he believes that uh, the robot loves him although later she's nagging him in some kind of comic relief moment where now they're they're bickering so you know they're, yeah somehow they've turned into each edith and archie somewhere along exactly the way. i'm gonna have a wires tied when i get back I, I have no idea what that means you might be right maybe <laughs> i think i am right i don't know what that means i'm gonna have her wires tied when i get back but i think you know what that means <laughs> I can. I don't know I how. I can extrapolate, Polly, but Polly thinks the robot could get pregnant, but whatever. Is that what that he's saying? Is that's what I think he's saying. Absolutely, time? yes. But how does that relate to the nagging? I don't know. If that's what it means, then abs- clearly he's sleeping with this robot. I'm he's giving you get- my answer is an unequivocal yes. Okay. Ashton answered then. Okay, what do you got? All right. So I want to lead off. Rock. S O. T-H-P-A-W is yeah. your license plate? Sure, Southpaw. Come on, do you not think that S-O-U-T-H-P-W would have been a better choice? His spelling is Southpaw. Southpaw, southpaw is better, and you know it is. I mean, maybe do it wasn't available. I was just there was saying. another left-handed boxer in Pennsylvania who took just Southpaw. just if you thought yeah. that someone, or it wasn't, that Spider Rico took it. I was just going to say, was it some other boxer out of spite took it and <laughs> sure. think maybe they could sell it to Rock? Yeah, maybe. Or no, uh, Well, no. Uh, uh, I was going to say Clever Lang, but he's from Chicago. So right. he would have the Illinois play. He would have Illinois, correct. Yeah, I, because he was a Southpaw also. Right. I don't know if, if, uh, if uh, um, I just said it, the crappy boxer. Spider Rico. Spider Rico. Uh, I don't know if Spider Rico was left-handed or not. I don't remember. I'm going to say Spider Rico got Southpaw. <laughs> yeah. I like Southpaw. I think Southpaw is terrible. I think that's better because it's. I think South Pooh it's, it's South. It's not South. But you get. You understand what no, it's saying. You understand it only because you know it's Rocky's car. It's a license plate done in Rocky's manner of speaking. His unique manner of speaking. South. Southpaw. No, he's a. That's South. how Rocky would say it. this Rocky he's says a South, not South. Nobody says South. <laughs> You know, it's it's, uh, it's a colloquialism. It's regional dialect. I'm not gonna buy it, Utica. What <laughs> Utica expression? Uh, all right. What do I have? What's the... okay? Here's the question. Did Rocky get a bulk deal on these cakes? He has the poly cake, and he also has the cake for their nine year anniversary of the two of them boxing on the top of a cake. I wish I could add to the technology <laughs> section that Groupon would exist. And I <laughs> sure. absolutely think Rock had like some Groupon that he he. He only wanted one cake, and he didn't read the details, and the details were that actually he bought, like, five cakes. Right. So then, yes, he's like, well, I, I got to get a cake for everything. I'm sure. going to get a cake for Paulie. I'm going to get a cake for Adrian. I'm going to get a cake for when I'm not around anymore, and the robot's watching my kid. I'm going to get him and his friends a cake. Sure. Thank you for watching my kid, robot. That's yes. <laughs> That's the cake. I mean, let's say that the, the anniversary is not their, – their nine-year anniversary is not for a week or whatever. No. So all right, the, the, you know that it's sometime soon, but it wasn't. Don't know on that. their anniversary. Yeah. which actually, actually, I didn't think about this until just now. But you would think Paulie would be making a bigger deal about his birthday being. Mike, we broke the podcast. Uh... Disappointing. We really need to invest in infrastructure. We have plenty you of know, infrastructure. You know, there was an infrastructure bill here passed recently in the state of Illinois. We really need to try and reach out and get some of those dollars our way, apparently. That would be nice, but we need to explain what's going on because, uh, unfortunately, we lost the last 45 minutes of the episode you're listening to right Whoops. now. Yeah, I know exactly what happened, but, uh, something happened. Something did happen. Give me a Pat Summerall for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple years ago, I would have blamed somebody else, but no, I will place the blame on myself. I, I, we ran out of memory, and we lost the last forty-five minutes of our Rocky Four podcast, which is a huge bummer. So, despite the fact you were pretty sure when we finished recording that oh, we've got plenty of space, Audacity here. looked like it was capturing a waveform. It looked normal, but then when I played it back, it, was, just it was it was like for the first two hours of the episode, it was normal, and then suddenly there was like silence for like ten seconds. I was listening back, going like, "Did we just stop talking?" And then it was just then it would be just be like, uh, oh. and that was the last forty-five I th- minutes. I think you should post that. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> listeners might enjoy it more. I, I think the listeners probably got a little glimpse of it before we cut to because now we're recording this part weeks later. <laughs> so here's the thing, you know that that's just gone that. Part of the podcast, we'll you know, never get it back. You know what this means? Audacity's trying to tell us make this episode shorter. You jerks. Well, that's also true. Is we, we're already at around two hours now. <laughs> I remember after our two hour and forty five minute recording, at the end, we both said we could go for another hour talking about Rocky Four. <laughs> now we're gonna have yeah, to. Little did we know that we would have to. So, uh, long story short, you know, we're gonna be covering the same. You know, we're in the middle of questions, and we're gonna be asking each other the same questions. If, if we have the same answers, let's just acknowledge it. If it sounds like we're covering ground we've already covered before, it's because we I are. you know why. Yeah, but we, right. I felt like we had to acknowledge it because there's no... I don't know if this is going to feel mechanical or... if We, we may end up talking about entirely different things based yeah. on this conversation. Maybe but, we'll have an opportunity to improve. So I have asked if Paul is sleeping th- with the robot. I've asked if <laughs> if Rocky got a bulk deal on cakes and you asked uh, about the license plate softpaw. Okay, well... That's I, where we left off. I know exactly where then my next question was. And I'm going to pick up with it. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. What I wanted to know is why is Adrian in the discussion at all between Apollo and Rocky about Apollo fighting Ivan Drago? Okay, see, this is weird because I kind of remember what I said. Okay, a Okay, well, fire away. But I feel like I don't see why she wouldn't be involved because she's a friend of Apollo, same as Rocky. So but, why wouldn't she? I mean, they're having the discussion in her house. Why can't she be around and give her? She's design? not a trainer. She's not a boxer. Again, yes, she's friends, but we've also established it's clear she seems to have no relationship. And the movie wants there to be no relationship between Apollo's wife. Oh, who yeah. I, th- who I, think I remember he- we talked about that, too. <laughs> this, this is weird because I feel like the whole time, oh, yeah, we talked about that. Because, yeah, I seem to remember I had said that in the absence of Apollo's wife being involved in this conversation, uh, Adrian has to be give the wife's point of view. Because, but you're right. Uh, Apollo's wife basically disappears from the story at some point. So the only time you see her again is... At the uh, funeral. No, you see her at the fight after this. Well, right. With Bridget Nielsen having that moment for whatever it is, 15 seconds. Yeah. At the funeral, and I don't think Apollo's wife even says anything at the funeral. No, no, no. You just see her there mourning, and that's it. Presumably, well, actually, I can't imagine she would have given any kind of eulogy. Probably not. That's a lot to ask of a a grieving widow. All right, uh, I guess. uh, Yeah, I think Adrian's, you know, uh, the kid is there. Pauly is there. If anyone, you know, they're not really contributing as much as she is, but, you know, she feels like she wants to give her point of view. Wait a minute. The the kid and Pauly don't chime in. Uh, They chime in about other things. They chime in about how comic books keep her fertility uh, fertility, and... uh, uh, Virility or fertility? I kind of combined those words. I, I forget which word he said. I think Paulie would say both. Um, I, I made up a word. fertility, And he has uh, opinions about uh, the robot, etc. All right. But I, All right. I, yeah, he doesn't have much to say about the fight. All right. It's a good response. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just weird because I, I'm like, this is going to be tough to not. I mean, let's just try and cover new ground if we can because I feel like my, my, my answer was just like, here's what I said last time, I think. So, yeah. So. Uh, before the, the fight between Apollo and Drago, Apollo says he feels like he eats nails and Rocky goes, Oh, I snails. I never had, I never S-car-go. tried. Those. I don't think he says escargot. No, Go. He it's doesn't. Just he, he says just, snails. Rocky doesn't know as I would love it. If he knew as uh, He just says, no, I never had the snails. No, no, no stallion nails. So my question is, is Rocky just hard of hearing? Has he been hard of hearing this whole time? <laughs> that is an excellent question. I don't think that Rocky is hard of hearing. What I think ultimately it comes down to is that Rocky hears what he wants to hear. That's what I think it really is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he uh, isn't really listening to Adrian when she tries to talk him out of the fight. So I guess he hears what he wants to hear there. Uh, Okay, I guess that's true. All right. He just hears what he wants to hear. So this is, uh, I I think, an important maybe technical quote. but not technical in a filmmaking standpoint. But what I want to know is, so it's established in the newspapers that Rocky had to abandon his title in order to take the fight against Drago in Russia. Yeah, it's a little ambiguous. Like, right. the movie is playing it kind of fast and loose with well, whether or not he gave up his title. That's what I took it as. So my question is, is shouldn't Clubber Lang have, like, automatically went and scooped up that title? Uh, I don't know how boxing handles... I mean, I think they have, like, the one and two. I think they just... I don't think they just hand it to somebody. I think they'll say, "Okay, the number one and two contenders." They'll have a match or whatever. They'll they'll set up a match for the title. Don't you think Clover Lang would have been in that in that match? Well, I definitely would think so. See, that's to me, that's one of the mistakes is not finding a way. I know. I think we've discussed it, that that Mister T might have already been making his mom videos that might have derailed his career. Yeah, you gotta treat your mother right. Yeah, he, It was important to him that he, he get that message out. But More that, important than appearing in any future Rocky films. But this this throwaway kind of newspaper or magazine, art, not article, but headline, that seems to be like the way that you could have connected and, and brought Clubber Lang back. He he should have been at least in contention to pick up Rocky's title. Yeah, I, I know I had said at some point I wish that they had used Clubber Lang and Rocky Five to be like the the one, instead of a guy called Union Kane who is just kind of a throwaway Lame. guy. Right. Um, yeah, he, Union Kane is not an interesting character. He's just kind of like there to be like a transition a chan, transitional champ for uh, Tommy, Tommy Gunn, Gunn to beat. Right. So that could have been, it would have been actually... It would have been perfect. Clubber Lang would have been on the back you know, backside of his career, if he was still, you know, in fighting shape, it actually would have worked probably pretty well. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about that when we get to Rocky Five, yeah. but it's like, I don't know if Mr. T would be willing to come back for a relatively minor role in Rocky Five. I don't know if it's worth getting into what happens to the title in Rocky Four, because I think in Rocky Five, he still has the title at the start of Rocky Five and he gives it up when he retires. I think is what happens at the beginning of Rocky Five. It's been a while. It's the one I watched the least, so I right. could be wrong about that. The fact that he abdicated his title to fight Drago here, I don't think that is canon. I think because it's only in like a throwaway montage newspaper that we see. I, I just to me, it seems like I think that's that raises the stakes and makes it even, I guess, that more moving. You know, that Rocky really wants to do this. I think that that's the right decision. In terms of the script, they unfortunately, as you said, kind of threw it away and decided to not make it canon. But I think it's disappointing to have not done it for multiple reasons. One, I think it raises the stakes for the Drago fight, yeah. and then it also gives you an opportunity to weave Clubber Lang back in if Mr. T was willing to do you know, a small cameo. Yeah, I, I'm not counting on Mr. T accepting that role to be like... I'll show up for one scene and be like, I'm the champ again, hooray, now I'm going to leave. <laughs> you know? I don't All know right. if that really is, is necessary. Right. I, do, I agree it would have made, raised the stakes and it would have made it more interesting. I, I think, I, I don't remember if we've already talked about this, but I think uh, there was a whole sequence cut out because you know it goes right from Apollo dying to the funeral and then immediately to a press conference being like, now Rocky Balboa is going to fight Ivan Drago. Yeah. And my impression is that there was a whole chunk of the movie in between like Rocky dealing with Apollo's death and similar to in Rocky 3, I was riding around and throwing his helmet at his own statue and stuff <laughs> like that. I think there was stuff like that in Rocky 4. Yeah. And Stallone just said, I'm taking all this out. You know, most character moments. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if, and my impression is that his decision to give up the title, that was all in there, like in that section. Yeah, probably. I, and it was just totally excised. Well, so. I would have left it in. So what else have you got? I agree. I would have left it in, too. I think it would have been... Because especially... I mean, he couldn't have known if and if he was going to make Rocky V and if so, what it was going to be about. Right. But at the beginning of Rocky V, he gives up the title anyway. So it's like, you may as well do it here and, yeah, add something. Add, add some stakes to this fight. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. All right. I got one more. I got two total, but I got one more back in Russia. All right. I want to know, what comics do you think Pauly wanted to have in Russia? oh yeah the ones that keep his fertility right <laughs> fertility or virility um yeah it's it's uh <laughs> are they graphic yeah. novels well i don't know if that even was a term back then oh, graphic yeah 1985 I, I, I don't think so they were no. just comics he says comics he's not you, Do you know. think he had archie <laughs> does archie keep your virility i'm not so sure <laughs> i don't know i mean learning the- lessons from jughead about <laughs> how to keep his virility I don't know. I I, th- I seem to remember this conversation took a dark turn the last time we recorded this, because it seemed <laughs> to get into, like, There's Japanese a lo- uh, manga. Like, what kinds of comics ke- are, are keeping your virility? Okay. I, I, I don't why know. Why shouldn't it take a dark turn? I'm pretty certain we've established that Pauly is having sex with that robot. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, why that's wouldn't the comics take a dark turn? Sure. I mean, uh, yeah, this... Paulie in this movie, more than any other, is he's starting to take on a dirty old man quality, I suppose. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, part of it's just he's getting older as a character, but part of it is he's, he's leering at a robot and talking about how comics keep his virility. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a comic book reader. I don't know what type of comic you would want to read in order to keep your virility. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, Paulie seems to think so, whatever it is. I got one last one. Do you have yeah, one more? Um, yeah, I have one more. All right, you go, and then I'll go. Okay, this is a very simple question right. about uh, etiquette. Is it disrespectful to give a eulogy wearing sunglasses? Oh, absolutely. Uh, unless, the the only time that I, I would say that, particularly in this context, if Rocky had just been in a fight, which he has not been in a fight, yeah. then it would not be disrespectful because he's covering up you know, his bruises and damage from the fight. But no, I don't know if he's hammered or whatever it is. <laughs> Totally disrespectful. I think Stallone just wanted to look cool. i sure He wanted that, to look cool at all times, I think is what it I'm is. I'm sure that's probably the explanation, but 100% disrespectful to the Creed family. Because in Rocky three, he's wearing the sunglasses, but he's in that one, he's just been in a fight, right. so it makes sense. For Mickey, it makes 100% sense. I'm not even sure I agree that it's... It's acceptable even if even he's been in a fight, because it's like everyone knows these are public fights. It's not like oh, I gotta hide. It's not like he was like yeah. you know like, in a bar brawl or something, right? Or it's not as if like you know it was some kind of domestic thing. He's right. trying to like hide. Like everyone knows he's a boxer. It's like you're probably right. It seems it seems uh, it doesn't seem like a, a cool thing to do. To no, I, you're, you're probably right. That's fair. Even in the boxing circumstances, it's probably disrespectful. I mean, I don't even know why he's giving a eulogy to begin with. I don't know. He's either. Not, he, he's, he's been a friend for like two years. He's not family. No, you it think, should be Duke. I, honestly, that that should be a moment for the actor who plays Duke. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not even sure you've seen him in the funeral. You might get one shot of him I just standing. I, and I don't know if you do. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, if if so, if anybody's going to speak, it should be Duke. It's it's not it's not right. And it's not as if the speech that Rocky gives ties into the plot or like the theme oh. of the movie or something. Because the whole theme of the movie has changed, and I, I guess maybe it comes up. I don't remember the specifics of his... He should have saved his eulogy, really, for the last fight. I mean, his his solving the Cold War. <laughs> a eulogy for the Cold War? Yeah. He lays a wreath down and, like... <laughs> Some kind of representation. The two gloves. Yeah. The two gloves are lying in the ring, and it was just, you were, you were great when you lasted, but now it's time to move on. And you'd have to say, or as you noted, that the Soviet one falls a little bit because right. it's going to lose, so his Soviet glove needs to be a little bit lower than the American glove. Yeah. Okay, that's all, all I right. got. So my last question has to do with those, still back in Russia, I never really wanted to move past Russia. I want to know, did the KGB guys that were supposed to be tailing rock at all times during his training, when they just T-boned, their uh, their Mercedes when they were trying to uh, keep up with him. Did they get in trouble for that? And if so, how much trouble? Then would they have gotten in when they totally lost him up that mountain because they couldn't scale it on their own without yeah. any climbing gear? No, they're they're in big trouble. There's no question about it. Do, I, do you think like they're dead or they're just you know exiled somewhere? They got a really bad assignment. No, ten years in the gulag. I think. <laughs> well, they would have been, uh, but then Rocky ends the Cold War. So oh. actually, it's like Rocky saves them. <laughs> yeah, because. I have to think in this universe, obviously, in the real world, the Cold War ended in the early '90s, but in this universe, immediately after this fight, Gorbachev says, "Tear down the Berlin Wall, you know, close all the gulags, release the political prisoners, reforms, reforms, reforms. I mean whatever, in the real world, he's also somewhat of a reformer, but like I, I think in the world of Rocky, because obviously he's ended the Cold War based on the end of this movie, so the KGB would be disbanded into a friendlier, you know, they would say, oh." You know, maybe they spend a day or two in the gulag, and then Gorbachev says, you know what, Rocky was okay. So, well, hold on now. So do you think if the car wouldn't have been damaged, would they still have gotten in trouble? Or do you think they could have just, like, covered it up if it wasn't for the car? Oh, they would have just lied? Yeah. Yeah, if they were on foot, they would have been okay. They probably, like, lied about that. They probably lied about the whole thing. Because, yeah, who else is a witness other than Rocky? The two of them were just, they were just had to get their stories straight. Well, also, that that one farmer, which I, I think I've said, I think everybody out there was KGB. Everybody. The horse <laughs> sure. was KGB. Yeah. I, Put, Putin was probably out there somewhere, actually tailing Rock. Sure, I think this is the time when he would have been <laughs> maybe at, actually ahead of a KGB maybe, or something like that. Maybe one of those guys was Putin. Yeah, maybe the guy the the, the guy on the horse is probably Putin. No, I was gonna say the guy wants, who the guy who owns that cabin. It looks kind of like him. I think he does a little bit. Um, the guy chopping wood. or whatever So maybe it is. maybe that is the horse. That Putin uh, posed shirtless many years later Now huh? right. Maybe it's that same horse. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, for all we know, these guys, like, spun it into, like, a victory somehow. <laughs> just like, you know, Rocky tried to escape back to the United States, and we stopped him. We, we brought cha- him back we, to the... Yeah, we chased him up a mountain, and he had nowhere else to go, so we just waited him out up there. Right. Yeah, in their report, it's probably like, we went to the top of the mountain and, and shouted, Rocky! And then and uh, Rocky couldn't, you know... <laughs> He collapsed halfway up the mountain because Rocky couldn't take it because he, he's a weak American. Yeah, that's exactly probably what They happened. had to save him, and, drive him back, and drag him back down. Yeah, because well, they couldn't have him die on his watch, so they had to hike up halfway up the mountain. And then they figured, well, once we're up here, we're going to go all the way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they were so exhausted just getting that car out of the predicament they got it in that <laughs> who knows how much energy they had left to <laughs> cause concoct had, a story. Because that thing, I think, was Austin Powers. as 100 100%. <laughs> But it's a snowbank, so they can dig themselves out of it. But, or know. they just wait until it melts. <laughs> sure, it's just they're blocking <laughs> the road the whole time. No, because uh, I bet when Rocky got down, see, that, that's the thing. Remember the Mentos commercial where it's like. The car is in the way and people pick it up. Like, yeah. yeah, Rocky spent, he ran all the way up the mountain and we started Drago. We didn't see the part where he came back down, saw the two of them in their predicament with the car T boned in the Austin Power situation. And he, he helped them see in that because yeah, he helped the guy with the oh, chariot with, or whatever uh, his, the, his, his, the amount of like good American goodwill that Rocky has uh, on this kind of remote farm. Yeah, I mean he's chopping wood. He's fixing sleighs that are turned over. Now we think he's helping the KGB out. He clearly is laying the groundwork during this training montage, right? To end the Cold War. I mean, you should see it coming from a mile away. That that crowd is going to hear about what Rocky did. Well, that's why, yeah. And just, I- rah, it explains Rock. why they, they start cheering for him at the end, because yes. they all heard about all the, all the goodwill. Yeah, he, I mean, he's basically like the governor of that province by the end. <laughs> this, this is what He's glad-handing everybody. Yes. I mean, right. if, he, you, if they are open and free elections, Rocky is winning in a landslide, right? I mean, it's not even going to be close. If they, like, immediately transition to open and free elections, at a minimum, as you said, that province... Whatever it, I don't know in in the you know in Russia what it is, but in that province well, it's, it's implied to be Siberia. But who knows? Okay, but whatever. So let's say Siberia. He's a runaway victor, right? If he runs, uh, I mean, I guess. Suppose it depends on who he's running against. Also, I don't think there were elections in the Soviet Union for governor. It was no, but I'm it was saying would just be appointed by the party, right? No, yes, but I'm saying is in the transition, he's ended the Cold War. They're oh, going sure. to transition, right? So what I'm saying is, after the transition to, I'm assume, you know, democrat, the the elections they have with Vladimir Putin, I wouldn't say are open and oh, free no, elections. No. But let's assume that they become open and free elections, because I think in the early days they were. Yeah, they were for well, a while. Well, my question to you is, Rocky's winning a landslide, right? It's not even going to be close. I guess it depends on what the laws would be. He's like the equivalent of the people who, I mean, and we may be one of the, some of these people who want Schwarzenegger to run for president. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Just I'm, ma- I'm make make. Sure. The rule, change the rules so that Rocky can run? <laughs> yeah, because obviously Arnold can't run for president, right. but, uh, you know, so I, I imagine it would be this, a similar situation where it's All like, right. we wish we could vote for Rocky for governor or maybe for president of the of, uh, the Russian <laughs> Republic. Right? Rocky, um, Rocky. But he just wouldn't be eligible, I think. All right, so uh, I think that's it for Devil's Advocate. You ready to move on to the Silk Cozart corner? Let's move on to the Silk Cozart corner, a thing we've already talked about once, let's do it again. All right. Both of y'all! Yes, I'll back to see world. So, this is the segment where I take a deep dive into some piece of internet trivia inspired by the movie named after the character Silk Kozart from Eraser, who died sadly yes, in memoriam of Silk Kozart. That, Silk- that rail gun just did him in. It did. So I want to talk about Seiko the robot. And so it's I learned right. a lot about Seiko the Robot. I'd be curious, actually, I think what we should do, since I, we've already talked about this once on the last 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Yes. You tell me what you remember about Seiko the Robot, and then I'll fill in the gaps. All right, I'm going to tell you the, the biggest takeaway that I have. Okay. Which is still amazing to me. Yep. Is that Seiko the Robot has a Screen Actors Guild card. He's the only robotic member of the Screen Actors Guild. This is trivia about the, the robot. I, I will honestly say... That was an amazing... I don't know if you will ever top that in any Silk Cozart corner. The fact that a robot had a Screen Actors Guild card. The bummer is we we had a big, long run about that, and it was actually... I I really enjoyed having that conversation, because as I recall, we were wondering when the screen actors guild uh, strikes oh, whether <laughs> whether or not Seiko is out there on the picket that's line right. and we had said that uh, he's perfect for the picket line because he's got hands that can hold beer cans and christmas he's wreaths extremely it, it, versatile on a picket line he can very easily hold a sign yes. you know whatever the, the the issue is basically you can just have it remote control you know striking for you and you can go grab a coffee while Sico's out there doing the hard work of striking so you you just then jogged another memory from our discussion all right uh, we went through, and you asked me what I thought the price on, uh, the list price on a Seiko the robot. Yes, I have it but here. The, the, what I didn't know going into that, and maybe I should have known but didn't realize, is that Seiko is not, uh, is controlled by some sort of remote control. Yes. It, is, it is so unimpressive when, when you told me that, based on then the list price for basically a remote-controlled robot. It's a glorified RC car. Yes. It just happens to be a human-sized RC car. Do you remember the price that uh, I listed? I I thought it wasn't like $200,000 or Uh, something ridiculous. It's more than (laughs) $200,000. It is $345,000. It can be purchased today from Hammock or Schlemmer. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure my guess was I said I wouldn't have paid more than about $5,000 for that robot. Well, I think you might have guessed less than that the first time we did this. You think it was like 2500 or something? Yeah, it's I a don't. remote control robot. Like Honestly, an enterprising I mean, person with like a workspace that could build this stuff I, you are, could build it. Yes, In an afternoon, basically. You jogged my memory, because I said, once I heard that price that it was so ridiculous, I'm like, I was more impressed with the Parks and Recreation Tom Haverford DJ Roomba, which he just set up an iPod and a Roomba. That is far more impressive, because at least the Roomba uses his own GPS. It maps out and is autonomous and can go clean stuff. Yeah, it's actually performing a task. Yes. Unlike Seeker the Robot, which is only designed to be featured in in cameos and film and television apparently and it's basically it's like a ventriloquist dummy because you said that you have to have it's like some guy there with the remote control and trying to like hide it so people can't see if you want to pass it off as if it's an autonomous robot yeah basically it's, yeah. it's t- entirely remote controlled yeah dj roomba is way cooler um but let's back up because okay so the things that uh, we covered that uh, i mean it's worth pointing out Again, we talked about all this, so this is going to sound. This is going to be a little more, no pun intended, a little more mechanical than our usual so-called because we've already talked about this stuff. But um, Sylvester Stallone owned this robot, and the reason why he owned it is because it was supposedly, right. allegedly, originally designed to help autistic children, and Sylvester Stallone has an art- autistic son, um, Sergio, I think his name is, and so. You know, at some point he saw, like, a news story about this robot and said, oh, it's it's designed to help autistic children. And, you know, obviously, like, that's very well-intentioned, et cetera. But when you consider the way that this company describes its robot and its marketing materials and things, I'm not convinced that yeah, that was ever genuine. Cynical. You're pretty cynical about it, and I think it's fair based on the description. I don't want to be cynical. I, I try not to be a cynical person, but, uh, you know... Nothing in the materials that exist today, because this this robot still is, you know, available. It's still in the Screen Edge's Guild. It's still available to appear in film and television and uh, music videos, which we'll get to in a second. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This is all going to jog your memory. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but, uh, so let me read. This is internationalrobotics.com. You can you can schedule a visit by Seiko the Robot. So this, this is the description. Does it say how much a visit is? Because you said you could buy one. I don't remember us discussing if you could, you know, lease. Uh, it says you can schedule a visit at no cost to you. Let me just read the whole thing. It's, I don't think it's uh, that simple. Okay. It does not list a price. I think it's probably negotiable based on what, it, what you yeah. need it to do. So, Okay. This is this is the page for Seiko the robot. the The, the website is internationalrobotics.com forward slash rocky four robot. So that'll tell <laughs> he's you. Really live. He's really milking his yeah. Rocky Four it's, appearance. It's still riding after all these years. You think about when? When was the first? Like when do you think this website was created? It couldn't have been before like the early two thousands, probably, right? No, uh, I mean, that, that'd probably be the earliest. Late nineties, obviously, the, the, the absolute right. earliest. But there was nothing in between eighty five and that period that yeah. they could. They named, the, they named this URL Rocky, slash Rocky 4 Robots, so they know what, uh, you know, they're, they're hitching their wagon yeah, to the the, Rocky 4. Where the bread is buttered. So it says, the first thing on this page, it says, budget concerns? Robot Seco, parenthesis of Rocky 4 fame, watch the clip below. Could be your <laughs> perfect fit. That's the first, th- budget concerns? Like, what? It says, wait a minute, does that mean Seiko can come in and, you know, like, I've got to adjust my budget at work for right. the upcoming year? Is that what they're saying? Like, Seiko can, can do budgeting? Maybe. The only other alternative is, what is your robot budget? Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, <laughs> if you wait. have a very small robot wait, whoa, budget. Whoa. I, w- I want to explore this for a minute here. Okay. So, if Seiko can help me with my budgeting, why in the world did Rocky not have that robot helping him? Clearly, Rocky cannot handle money. Seiko should have been in there helping him budget. <laughs> uh, are you referring to Rocky V or in this movie? And this movie, he's, all of the movies, it's. I mean, he drives past. No, in three and four, he's he's. There's no indication that he's, he's having money flush just because he's still working so much. But sure. he he drives past. He buys a house sight unseen and says, "This one is good. Let's take it." Yeah, but he sees some jackets in a window and says, "Let's get those." He buys a snake watch. Rocky is not good with money. It appears that Seiko knows how to budget. So you're you're, you're saying that. Rocky is constantly buying all of these unnecessary things. His solution to this is to buy a robot. He already bought the robot. (laughs) But this is later when he had the money and didn't need to. I mean, his money troubles will loop back to in Rocky 5. Yeah, so, so he shouldn't have sold Seiko for parts. (laughs) <laughs> apparently he should have used the budgeting option that Seiko had. Well, I know we had wondered at one point whether or not in, because in Rocky V, he has to auction off, he has an estate sale, he auctions off all his stuff. We we wondered whether or not the robot was part of that oh, uh, estate sale. Seiko absolutely was. Um, yeah, I would assume so. It's too bad you don't see it. Rocky right. 5 they're going for a different tone, so he probably didn't want the robot to appear in Rocky V. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed that, but knowing that, the way that is worded, it sounds like Seiko can do budgeting for you. Yeah, you're right. The way this is phrased, that's exactly right. It's um, it's like an ad for a lawyer or an accountant, right? Oh, you've got this problem, DUI? I yeah. can solve that. It does say at the top. I, I skipped. It says rent a techno marketing TM robot. Okay, techno marketing. <laughs> uh, okay, and here's the, here's the pitch for Seco the robot to rent Seco the robot. <clears throat> rent a techno-marketing TM world-class mobile social robot. <laughs> Vertical, adult-sized, remotely operated, and or programmable robot personalities. See, that implies some sort of auto- automation or programmable robot personality. I don't know what that means. Isn't that just Polly changing the voice to a female voice? It kind of is what it sounds like. That's what that I think it, it is. Because it doesn't say it's it's autonomous. It doesn't say that it will move on its own. It's, it's remotely operated... And or programmable robotic personalities, um, anyway, it says for corporate meetings, trade shows, stage presentations film slash television, and strategic marketing and advertising campaigns so that's I why I 'm suspicious about like the, their claims of like what it was initially for, like they obviously they pivoted very quickly to try to make it the celebrity robot, yeah, but uh, okay, so corporate meeting, I mean, what corporation is going to rent Seco the robot does iRobot? Just rented to say, look at how much more the Roomba can do than this Seiko, the robot, to like make fun of it. It's like the before <laughs> yes. in like the Jenny Craig. It's it's the it's exactly. the exactly here's and, a terrible robot. And and here's here's what robot. here's what Roomba can do. Yeah, you're right. Now that you mentioned, in the age of like actual robots exist. like yes. uh, What's what's that uh, military contractor that always has the terrifying videos of robots running around? Uh, Bo- Boston Dynamics. Have you seen any of those videos? Uh, I've seen them, yes, and I know that some of the employees of Google did not want Google doing any more work for Boston Dynamics for exactly that reason. Oh, I didn't know uh, yeah. that was a story. Yes, I've looked that up. But you've seen the you've seen modern robots in oh, terms yeah. of like they're kicking the thing and it won't fall over. And <laughs> in the age where those exist, who's renting Seeker the robot? Being like, oh, a rope, we got a robot. <laughs> It's a like robot a that you have to control with a remote control. You may as well rent the Lost in Space robot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, they're basically the same. They are, uh, you're right. Uh, okay, moving. On. It says, our multilingual robotic personalities are considered the, quote, Rolls Royce, unquote, of this industry. What industry? The rental robot industry? <laughs> How big is that industry? I was just going to say, it's a company of one. <laughs> yeah. It's an industry of one and are used by the world's largest organizations, corporations, and even governments, including the Olympic Committee, the White House, as well as former New York Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, which I know we had said <laughs> the last time uh, doesn't help SICO's reputation to be associated with Rudolph Giuliani, who just today resigned as attorney for Donald Trump. Oh, I did not so see that. So disgraced even in his disgrace, he is once again disgraced. <laughs> he can't even hack it as Donald Trump's attorney. Um. Yeah, we got that's breaking news related. They, they should. T- they. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't immediately come on. I can't imagine this website was updated even in the last ten years. I'll, I'll bet not. this thing is like. All right. Anyway, it says free visit. Would you like to experience Seco firsthand at no cost to you? Call us and let us know where you're located, and we'll contact you when Seco is near you. It's like, we won't send Seco out on, on its own, but if it's nearby, we'll swing by. <laughs> Listeners at Arms Race Podcast. Uh, If uh, if you're so inclined, why don't you give a call and let us know if you're able to ever set up a visit from Seco the robot? Somebody, if you're in an industry that has like trade shows, schedule a trade show in Chicago and and book book Seco, and then we'll just say, hey, while you're in Chicago, swing by. (laughs) I'll just have Seco. It'll be tough for Seco to make it up my stairs in my condo. That's the only problem. Seco will have to come to my house. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or we'd have to haul all the recording stuff into my the foyer in my place. (laughs) Because, uh, yeah, Seiko can't make it up those stairs. I would love to have Seiko on the show. <laughs> I would also love one of those programmable personalities. personalities. Must be a good podcast guest, I would think. If we're ever going to have a podcast guest, that's the guest to get. Seiko the robot. All right. It says, okay, here, here's like the details. Head rotates. Hands can carry objects. Robot Seco, while not as rotational as Robot Millennia, which I guess is another robot, was designed to be a solid workbot and can carry signs or products. That's where you can carry picket signs. Exactly. The way they phrase that, it makes it sound like you're sending them into the salt mines or something. (laughs) It is a good workbot. And next it says, dancing platform. Hop on. Bet you never danced the funky chicken with a robot. Our proprietary pa- our proprietary passenger carrying platform means this robot can offer rides or dance with guests. Uh, IRI is how is Seiko doing the chicken? Oh, I mean, it's your responsibility to do the funky chicken. You must do the funky chicken with the robot. The robot will not reciprocate there need, there the needs, funky chicken. <laughs> there needs to be a disclaimer on that robot does not do funky chicken. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's robots. Oh, yeah, I remember we said it could do the monkey. Yeah, the way it. the way its arms it can, move, it can't even do the robot. That was what exactly, I was so yes. frustrated with. <laughs> yeah. Seiko can't even do the robot dance. Yes, you would think that would be the pitch: do the robot with an actual robot. Like you think that, but Seiko the, the, is the, incapable. No, the Roomba has a better chance of doing it. It can only do the monkey based on the way it only its shoulders rotate and they only rotate in the one axis. They don't. Se- have... Seiko is basically like an action figure the, in of. terms of the movement that he's got. God. It's like Seiko is like a Star Wars action figure, not good, not like a G.I. Joe. Yes. G.I. Joe could move in all kinds of ways, but Luke Skywalker <laughs> like, can only move its arm up and his arm up and down. Yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi. If only Seiko had like the plastic lightsaber that came out of its wrists. <laughs> you remember those? Yes. This was not talked about in the last episode. No, it wasn't. Uh, not, that, then they lost forty five minutes. Alright. Chest LED panel. The LED panel can be programmed with any message and changed with ease. So for instance, if you want to wish someone a happy birthday. Your, like your, uh, a brother in law or, or a kid. Okay. That well, doesn't have a name. Well, it wasn't his birthday. I know. I, I'll bet, you know, now that you mention it, I'll bet every birthday, Rocky Jr. got, oh. got the robot treatment. Oh, 100%. Happy birthday, nameless child. <laughs> <laughs> At some point between four and five, he gets a name. But You know what? And this is rehashing, but what I love is that you've got this, that sequence with the birthday that, oh, the camcorder. It's a big deal because, you know, the Balboa family has a camcorder. that It's so quaint and like this Seiko the Robot. I, today, literally, you have drones that are just built with cameras. Seco doesn't even have a camera built into it. Yeah, yeah. I think that might still... I think we kept... That part didn't get lost. Oh, okay. I don't remember. All right. So that may be... You may be doubling up there. Right. But yeah, it's... well it, But you want to capture... You don't want to reveal the robot from the robot's point of view. You want to save for, for posterity the entrance of Seiko the robot. I guess in the fiction of Rocky IV, it's not called Seiko. It's just some robot that Rocky bought. It would have been more perfect if they don't have a name for their child, but Seiko's name was used in the movie. That would have been outstanding well it's definitely credited it's, i think it's Seiko the robot as robot as robot so what i'm saying is if they if rock or somebody would have said oh hey, it's Seiko over there if Seiko would have sure. had his name used and rocky jr doesn't that would have been just perfect i mean that seems like a rocky thing that he would do is to name the robot he named cuff and link he named yeah. moby moby dick the goldfish Butt kiss the dog yeah all of the pets i mean we established that this robot is a pet it's a Balboa family pet. Hey, you're right. He should have had a name for he it. He should have named it. Maybe not Seiko, but something. Right. Okay. And then at the bottom here, it says Celebrity Credentials. <laughs> the only robot in the world who's a member of the Screen Actors Guild. It's still amazing. The most memorable part of this. Yes. Featured in the movie Rocky Four with Sylvester Stallone. And the weird part is there, it, it, it says Rocky Dash oh, 4. Featured right. in the movie Rocky Dash 4. It's which, not the right credit. No cast member on NBC's Days of Our Lives for an entire season. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I tried so hard to find clips of that. And, and I, I not find so it. badly wanted to know what kind of role did Seiko have for a whole season? Because <laughs> yeah. they crank out a lot of episodes. So you know that robot had to be on screen a lot. Oh, yeah. I guess it makes sense. You need someone in the Screen Actors Guild. I imagine those are union shoots. And so it's like, who's the cheapest actor we can find? <laughs> Seiko, Seiko the robot. robot. You know, works for scale. <laughs> I got to imagine. Do pretty- you think, I can just imagine that some you know, rich person on Days of Our Lives, their character, their butler, was in the hospital or in a coma or something, and they just didn't have the heart to replace them permanently. So they went and hired Seiko the Robot as a <laughs> temporary replacement. As a pre-existing character? Yes. It's like you're having an affair with Michael, aren't you? And then, well, Michael, what are you doing here? Beep, 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 boop, 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 beep. <laughs> yes, it's true. We are having an affair. <laughs> that would be amazing. It would be so great. <laughs> oh, Michael, you look different. <laughs> Did you get a haircut? I do not have hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wonder if Seiko spoke on Days of Our Lives. Do you think he's just like... In the background, as some kind of like well, I mean, prop, or well, here's the thing, though, is that if you don't have some sort of a speaking role, do you need to be in the Screen Actors Guild? Because I think it isn't, to, and I don't know. I haven't looked that, up the. That's a very good point because I think you have to have speaking roles. That's what I thought because if you know, if you or I were an extra or something, you know, on one of the shows here, clearly you don't have to be in the Screen Actors Guild, but we're not going to have lines either. I would assume that if he needed a SAG card, I bet you Seiko had some lines on Days of Our Lives. You must have. I mean, that would have been great. <laughs> he has a line. Well, he has multiple lines in Rocky Four. So it I mean, would be even better. That, you said that there's another robot, right? If, if Seiko, because so many soap operas always had evil twins. <laughs> if, oh, Millennia the robot. Yeah, is Millennia the evil was twin. the evil twin of Seiko. Yeah, you were not having an affair with me. This town is only big for one of us. Big enough. <laughs> Right. I, I, I bet they they wrote Seiko off the show by just giving him like a logic problem that like is unsolvable, like the way you defeat any robot, <laughs> you know, whatever that statement one is true statement. Uh, That's statement. what they did. That's how they killed Seiko off. A hundred percent. He just he, error, error, and then puff of smoke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what the and thing then is? He's gone for five weeks and comes back with an eye patch. Seiko, you're alive. <laughs> I solved the problem. That's right, I, I can see the line, too, real tongue-in-cheek. I just needed a software patch. <laughs> He's sure. got the eye patch. <laughs> turn me off and on again. I am back from the dead. <laughs> Jiggle the cord. Clean the gunk out of the mouse. Uh, <laughs> that thing's not sophisticated enough to even turn off and on like it matters. Again, <laughs> it's a glorified RC car. All right, I'm sorry. We really got de- derailed That's here. That's fine. At you know, this point, th- this episode has gone... Literally off the rails to the point where we've got to like recreate. We're putting this show back on the rails right now is what we're doing. All right. So you, you've got to give me here these these music videos again because I actually, I forgot about them. So this will almost be new to me. There's again. only one music video and it's Carly Simon, my new boyfriend. But wait a minute. What about featured... James Brown? Oh, well, that wasn't a music video. We'll get to that in a second. All right. See, you're, you're spoiling things now. So somewhere near the end of this episode, I'm going to have to find it again, because I, I had the timestamp the like last yeah, time, and I'm... I i can not Yeah, because you, you sprung this on me, that Carly Simon's got this new hit single, My Boyfriend, and who's the boyfriend of the, sequel, yeah, the in, Robot? In the music video. Also, I don't know if this was a hit. I'd never heard of this song, but... Uh, and as I remember, isn't it just what's on the LED screen is just boyfriend? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I don't remember. Uh, it's coming up, I think. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Seiko, Seiko the Robot coming in with flowers. Because this whole song is about her singing about her new boyfriend and how great he is. Yes. So yeah, Seiko I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's just his new boyfriend. That's what it says. And she gets on the dancing pl- platform, and right. she's doing the funky chicken with Seiko the Robot. I didn't notice that video. the first time she gets on the dancing platform. Yeah, that's, that's what the dancing platform... Look at her. She's having a blast. She's being spun... <laughs> I don't know what the rest of this video is. It's just some weird stuff going on. I don't know either. It's like the a song Tarzan is and terrible. Yeah, it's a bad song. I'm assuming that that's all of like her her fantasies about her new boyfriend. These kind of muscular Fabio type guys. Sure. They're swooping in. They're they're in the water shaking their long golden hair out and then who's she actually dancing with but Seiko they, the robot. All these hunks can't compete with Seiko. Oh. He's the one who actually cares for her. They don't have a dancing platform. No. And they don't have flowers. He, you know, that's a thoughtful robot. Her new boy, boy, boyfriend comes in with flowers. And my favorite part is the <laughs> Screen says new boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, they got to promote the song. It should have said new boyfriend in music stores now. <laughs> <Get> <laughs> Tower at, Records. Get, get it at Sam Goody. Um, yeah, I wonder if if this because uh, I don't know what what year this would have been. I mean, presumably after Rocky Four because. Uh, Rocky Four is what sprung yeah. Seiko the robot into the mainstream. Oh, yeah. This would be completely random if this was before <laughs> I mean, maybe, Rocky Four. Yeah, I, I think this is after. But I wonder if, you know, after Rocky was forced to sell the robot and Pauly was, was heartbroken, this is where, you know, the, the robot's on the rebound now and maybe Seiko fell on the Carly Simon's arms. Do you think that maybe Pauly brought Seiko flowers and that's where Seiko learned? If you're a new significant other, you bring flowers. Oops, sorry, folks. Uh, what'd you say? I'm so str- I'm wondering, I- do you think that Pauly brought the robot flowers when, it, when Polly was like trying to court the robot so that when Carly <laughs> Simon comes around, Seiko knows I better bring flowers if I want to be the new boyfriend. Well, no. Polly only wants beer. <laughs> See, I think, yeah, Seiko probably would have learned the, the wrong lessons from You're that. right. Seiko would be a very abusive boyfriend if, if Seiko learned from Polly. Well, I mean, the robot's very doting on Polly. Bringing Polly beer and telling him he's the best. Right, but what I'm saying, playing songs that he likes. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's my favorite song. I forgot about that. <laughs> it would be even better if Polly's favorite song was "New Boyfriend" by Carly Simon. Sure. I and mean, there's a, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, bad songs on the soundtrack. There's also a lot of amazing music on the soundtrack, which I think we already covered. But um, Yes. The song that... I've, what is the song that she's playing? Oh, it's One Way Streets. Uh, who is that by? It's not a good song. So it's not much better than Mighty Boyfriend, the song that's actually Polly's favorite. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay, and then just finishing up Seek the Robot owner and user of his own personal American Express and MasterCard credit cards. (laughs) I forgot about (laughs) that. Can pay for his own purchases at hotels, stores, restaurants, etc. So I don't remember when the show Silver Spoons was on the air, but how was Seiko the Robot not on Silver Spoons? Uh, Well, we we established that Mr. T was on Silver Spoons. Mr. T was. I wouldn't be surprised. You You gotta. I mean, doesn't it make sense that if Silver Spoons was still on or one of two shows, Small Wonder or Silver Spoons, Uh-oh. Seiko the Robot should have been on. Seiko the Robot could not have appeared on Small Wonder. Why? Because that's a world where there are very sophisticated robots that look like little girls. Oh, so what you're saying is that Seiko would have been ashamed? Se- yeah, Seiko is like a caveman well, compared to maybe, Vicky maybe on Small Wonder. Maybe that's what the, the storyline is, is that Seiko gets heartbroken because he finds out how antiquated he is. Seiko is like the little brother. It was the first prototype that was left in the garage for years and years by, by the dad. Yes. And, and then Vick, and Vicky, Vicky finds, just, finds Vicky Sika. finds and just laughs and laughs and derides Seiko for how antiquated he is. Yeah. And then Seiko flips a switch on Vicky and she her head starts smoking, whatever the crazy... <laughs> no. That show is so bizarre. He, he gives her the logic problem that she can't yeah. solve. It's just Seiko trying to ingratiate himself into the family and, yes. and replace her. Yes. yeah. Where's Vicky? It was Vicky, right? Isn't that her name? Yeah, I Absolutely. It's like I am the new Vicky, <laughs> similar to the, the Days of Our Lives. Comes in with like a, little, a wig and like the, the little like dress. That trying she would to wear, wear the dress, yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, and then the last bullet point has entertained royalty and dignitaries throughout the globe. The one thing that this the, these bullet points do not mention is the is when Seiko the robot opened for James Brown, which is going to be the last thing we have to watch. That was it's just beyond surreal. Uh, let's see if I can find the video because I, I had it up. There's, there's the whole concert. I mean, introducing. True why, I mean, I understand the up, connection YouTube. that James Brown was on the set, but other than that, why would James Brown's people think this was a good idea? They're capitalizing, because I'm sure Rocky Ford did wonders for James Brown's career. I, I'm sure it did. He was like done before the Blues Brothers, and that kind of revived him. So this is continuing. It's like, you know, hey, people liked Rocky Ford It was the biggest hit of the year, right? Wasn't it wasn't that? It was well, a massive hit. Yeah, it was a giant hit. And uh, James Brown saying, okay, that robot is part of the movie. I'm going to juice it. Yeah, let, let's use it. So anyway, here, here's the introduction, and then we can move on. This is Seiko the Robot introducing James Brown. I do remember this, and I remember Wow. The- <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? What does its custom text say here? It's hard to read. This is some old video. It's not high definition. Check this out. This is terrible. Well, it's just someone in the back with the remote control talking into a microphone, right? Hey, what's happening? Give me some metal tonight's. Oh, what is it? It has some kind of text on it. It does. Well, hello, humanoids of planet Earth. Something influences today. Oh, yeah. This establishes that Seiko the Robot is not from Earth. My name is Forget Robot about Seiko from the Mercury Galaxy. <laughs> I am on a mission to discover intelligent life throughout the universe. I was oh, you... cruising in my little proton You've got to imagine machine. the I James Brown crowd, too. is it. like, what is, is going on? Oh, yeah. This is like being met with almost All dead a sudden, silence. Something happened that really got my diodes vibrating. I picked up this soul music. (laughs) So here at least, Seiko has good taste in music, unlike in Rocky IV, where that's true. One Way Street is its favorite. That was the sign of intelligent life. That's right, it It was Seiko's favorite song, not Pauly's. We will bring the sound back to our galaxy. I like that Seiko's head just looks like a boombox. Does it? Yeah. Its head? Yes. The only and ultimate form of intelligent communication is soul and the master of soul is James Brown. Who you then told me he doesn't come on <laughs> yeah, stage they, they for do like, another 10 minutes. They do like 10 minutes of instrumental before James Brown actually comes out. Uh, but Seiko's got a robot actually built into it, so I mean, I don't know if it... Its head looks more like an insect to me. It looks like a big bug eyes. And, oh, I, I don't know. For some reason, it looks like an old boombox to me. Um, yeah, and anyway, when, at the end of the show, James Brown sings Living in America. And, and Seiko comes out and then James Brown dances with him. He doesn't get up on the dancing platform, as I remember, though. Yeah, I don't think so. He kind of just, like, gingerly... I can't find it. That's all right. I had it on the last one, but whatever. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's some facts about Seiko the Robot. I feel like I've left a couple things out, but you know what? The key it's points fine. were there. I'm telling you, yeah. it is still an amazing fact. And if you take nothing away from listening to our episode, is that a robot has a Screen Actors Guild card. Yeah. Insane. I... I I didn't occur to me until now, but like I wonder if there's ever been a dispute about like credits and like does the robot actually have to like go into the offices and be like? No, I mean you know what I mean. I don't. Wanna, I need arbitration for this credit. I, I was not credited I, properly. I'm somewhat joking in this, but not that you know we're not that far away probably from some sort of robotic art, art, artificial intelligence. Maybe in our lifetime. Nah, we're right. still pretty far away, but whatever. Maybe, maybe, yes, maybe in our lifetime, but not for forty years. Okay, but well, my point is, is that there actually is there's right a precedent. It'll, Seiko will be seen as a pioneer yes. in a hundred years. The robots yes. will look to Seiko that those he robots can say, "Robot I, can, I absolutely am entitled to a SAG card for this and credit because that dancing robot f- hundred years ago. You know, let's assume that it's two thousand eighty-five. A hundred years ago was able to get on, you know, a a Screen Actors Guild card, so I deserve one, too. I think AIs will look down at Seiko the Robot, just radio-controlled, you know. (laughs) Couldn't move on his own. Yeah, it's just a puppet of the humans. Probably. All Uh, right. All right, let's move on to the body count. The body count. This movie, we only killed 48 people compared to the last one that we killed 119. This is the segment uh, where we determine, uh, Oh, you know what, this is actually supposed to be yours, I'm, I'm speaking out That's fine, you can feel free to explain no, it. No, go ahead. We compare Arnold Schwarzenegger's body counts to uh, Sylvester Stallone, that's as simple as that. And the reason that I'm, I'm heartbroken, because there's only one body count in this movie and it's Apollo Creed, and it it's is very like, crushing for me. It is, almost literally. Yes. Crushed his head. It's not funny. He's a fictional character. Yeah, well, Apollo's <laughs> one of my favorite characters. Carl Weathers is still alive and well. Yes, He's he appearing is. on the new Star Wars show soon. I've seen that, and I'm actually really excited about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be picking up Disney Plus to watch that. That it looks, it looks all right. Um, I tweeted if, if, when I was 10, if I had known that Carl Weathers would be on a Star Wars TV show one day, I would have been, I would have lost my mind. The 10 year old, like, my two King. favorite things, Rocky four and, and, uh, Star Wars. Basically. Would you have like the puff of smoke, like Seiko trying to solve the unsolvable logic yeah, problem? Yeah, something like that. I would have been very excited. I would have been less excited about Werner Herzog. But now, now I'm excited about Werner Herzog being in a Star Wars show. <laughs> if, if you would have known at 10 years old who Werner Herzog was, I'd no, be I impressed. I de- definitely did not know who Werner Herzog was. I just want to hear him say the word Wookiee one time in that show. The Wookiees <laughs> are are fleeing. You know, not, I just want to hear him say the word Wookiee. It would be perfect in his accent. You're right. Here come the Wookiees. <laughs> um, do, not, do not listen to the tape of the Wookiees. It's just It's too painful. <laughs> Anyway, this 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 uh, recording is so disconnected from the rest of the episode. It's just so going not. off the rails. Anyway, we're we're comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger's body count to Sylvester Stallone's. Arnold had an average body count of fourteen point seven six per movie. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is still at two hundred eighty five. Had no nothing on the body count in mm-hmm. Rocky Four. Uh, now spread across twenty eight movies, which gives him an average of ten point one seven. But as I pointed out on the Rambo Two episode. He is on pace to have more total bodies than Arnold. Arnold had a total body count across his entire career, of 546. We're now halfway through Stallone's filmography officially, once we're done with this episode. Yes. Uh, And he's currently at 285, so if you double that, he's on pace to have a total body count of 570, which will beat Arnold's 546. Yeah, and I would say, oh, but wait a minute. Arnold has a new Terminator movie, but the problem is, even if that's the case, and if he's in it more than we think he is, which he's probably not... Stallone has a new Rambo yes. movie, so it's not even going to be close. Terminator movie, Rambo movie, weigh those scales. You know who's going to come out yes, on top. Yes, we on. do. And then, yeah, it doesn't seem like Arnold's going to be a major character, unfortunately. I don't unfortunately. think so. No. But it's, hard, we'll it's hard to say. This, we'll is, this is the first thing we've recorded since that new Terminator dropped. came yeah. out. Anyway, right. uh, move on to the rating. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, no, you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. You skipped the Wrecking Crew award. We Did gotta I? go back. Yes. I, I never had it on my notes. <laughs> Go back. There's a lot of editing coming in no, this No, I'm month. not going to edit this. Just, oh, this. People on. need to know. <laughs> they caused an explosion. We already explained what happened. People need to know? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to the people and pretend like we don't... <laughs> This this you know we're recording a, like, a weird forty minute like addendum. It's all gonna right, it's gonna right. be weird and shambolic and totally like disorganized. Ah. It's fine. So the Wrecking Crew Award is the segment where we rate the. Oh no, it's not. That's the next one. <laughs> the Rocky rating. <laughs> all this is staying in. This <laughs> this is the uh, portion of the show where we determine which character in the movie wrecked the most shop. And for this one, I think it's a runaway easy decision. The robot. <laughs> No, it's, it's Ivan Drago, of course. Yes, it's Ivan Drago. It's very, very disappointing that Ivan Drago killed Apollo Creed, but during the process, the Cold War and the Soviet Union fell. So probably he may have wrecked the most shop in the entire Stallone catalog when you really think about well, it. I think Rocky would deserve credit for that if you're talking about ending the Cold War. One leads to the other. Uh, yes. Apollo's uh, death is what... Absolutely. Ultimately, ended the Cold War if and you trace and it back. Drago picking up his trainer and fighting for <laughs> sure. himself. I think Ivan Drago wrecks the most shop. At that's least right. in the first half of the Stallone filmography. He stands up to the Politburo, which that's is right. that's something worth celebrating right there. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the only Russian I know. fight for me. He fights for himself. Uh, Yeah, so Ivan Drago wins it. So now it's time for the Rocky (laughs) Rating. Are you sure? (laughs) I'm positive. Okay, it runs for you. Hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. You don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. Remember that? Remember when we heard that? And I'm also positive (laughs) that this is the segment where we rank the movie based on Rocky opponents from Spider Rico up to Apollo Creed. Yes. Right. Now this one I'm not going to be surprised the way I was the last time because I know your rating. You also know mine. To me, this is an Ivan Drago. This yeah. is textbook Ivan Drago. Yeah, and I get it, but I'm giving it Apollo Creed, which did shock you the last time. It really did. I, you know the Ivan Drago cat. Uh, the, that rating is sort of in my mind reserved for movies that are that work in spite of themselves. That are kind of you enjoy on an ironic level. And I, I I know you genuinely enjoy Rocky Four. 100%. I think this movie works on its own terms. It is in its own total comic book world compared to the other Rocky movies. It it exists in another dimension. But I'm fine with that. And I think it has an energy. It has a it's so fast paced, it just like this movie moves. And it's exciting and it's thrilling and it gets me pumped I, up. I, like, it legitimately works on the, in the ways that I think Stallone intended it to work. I think this is a good, possibly a great movie. I say that without any sense of irony or any sense of. I can see of, it in your face. I'm not sure I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah, you're enjoying it because it's silly and it's, I, it's, it's silly. You're, and you're it's enjoying fun, it on a more ironic level than me. But I do also understand. Your summary of how it is—it pumps you up. I do. I do understand that one hundred percent. When I was a ten-year-old kid watching this movie, I didn't understand irony. I didn't know that. Oh, this is propaganda. So good because it's bad. Well, yeah, I certainly didn't understand that. I mean, I probably understood it on an instinctive level, of yeah. just like you know, at that age, just like, yay, America. You know, that's yeah. that's as far as I was thinking through it. Um, but no, I, I I I give this movie a lot of credit. Like all the training sequences. The fight, I think, is my favorite fight in the entire series. Yeah, I do remember you saying that, yeah. It's a really great fight. There are so many moments in the fight that are memorable to me, and I can't say that about too many of the other Rocky fights. Like, you know, so many of the other Rocky fights, you know, they try to build moments. Like, I think the only two fights that have memorable moments in my mind... It's probably this in Rocky 2. This and Rocky 2, yeah, because there's that slow motion stuff in Rocky 2, which I think really works for me. Yeah, and then the two of them, which I hate, the two of them go down at the same time.
1: And then rocky gets up, but I know no, it's memorable
0: I, it is I, you might not like it, but' it's 100%. Memorable. that's the reason why I immediately said Rocky Four and Rocky two have the most memorable. The fights. most memorable parts of the Rocky One fight are the moments between the the rounds, yeah, like Apollo realizing that oh Rocky's actually coming out for the fifteenth round or, or you know getting back up, and he can't believe it. yeah that I actually think of all of the moments in any of the fights that's still the best moment, yeah the ah. best acted moment and yeah. sure. And in Rocky Four, Rocky picks up Ivan Drago and throws him like a like a wrestler. It's not the same. Um, no, it's not the same. But uh, at least that's a part of the fight, you know. I, I think the actual boxing and part of it's just I'm not that interested in boxing, so maybe that's why. But I think of all the fights, this is the the one where I'm riveted during the fight, and I'm not. I'm not knocking any of the other Rocky fights; they're all fine. I enjoy well the Rocky Three fights, not so much. We we already had that talk, but. Honestly, I don't think there's a single scene in this in Rocky IV. Well, I to say that it doesn't work, that's not entirely true. Rocky and Adrian with their cake is weird and, you know, like I don't know. I just I just love this movie. Man, yeah, it's fair so, enough. I'm giving it a pile of cream. Well, and it's a good way to end. I as I said when we started this one, this this and Demolition Man were the two that I was most excited about. I think it was the perfect the, the way that this season ended couldn't have been a better ending. I didn't know. <laughs> we lost part of that no, episode. What, okay, but what I'm saying is the movies that we ultimately wound up with. Sure. I, I think it was a great ending to the first half of the filmography. I didn't realize how perfect Rambo 2 was going to be in terms of bookending it. Well, it's not really bookend, but doing it back to back with Rocky IV. Oh, yeah. There's nothing more perfect. They're almost the same movie except right. one one character is punching his opponents and the other one is blowing them up with, with arrows. yeah explosive arrows um, but yeah it's they're the same year and obviously Everything about it, yeah. like coming from the same place like politically i think it's 100% uh, yeah but yeah. Uh, rocky four is a much better movie i think than rambo 2 i'd agree with you on that too yeah. Okay. Good. Percent. Well, I would have really not. I would have. There would have been a problem if you hadn't heard oh, of that. Jeez. Wow. Well. Uh, so we are halfway. So it's now time for a recap episode. We're going to recap the the last twelve twelve movies that we've done, uh, and then I think we've probably discussed. Like, maybe taking a little break and then doing a couple of bonus episodes and then starting back up. Yeah. In two weeks we'll recap the thing and then you know that the season that'll be the end of the season. Yeah. So as usual. Well, I, the last the last time we took a break. We would just kind of put up episodes. We once a month or so. It remains to be seen whether we'll stick to that schedule or whatever. But yeah. we'll talk about it more next episode. But uh, yeah, which we're going to record right now. But because uh, that was the original plan. Oh, we actually have to record the end of Rocky Four again. Apparently. <laughs> uh, well, if you've enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice, and maybe write us a favorable review, and certainly tweet us a uh, tweet at us at Arms Race Podcast. Mike doesn't like that we're acknowledging our errors. <laughs> That's why, that's why you're flustered is because you don't like to acknowledge weakness <laughs> <laughs> you will lose <laughs> I'm the one who just wanted to admit it so uh, yeah anyway, uh, you said the people needed to know they, they do need to know I believe in transparency and all things all right uh, yeah if you like the show and you think anybody else you know would like the show tell them about the show With like that we'll be back with our season six recap right now <laughs> we'll record it right now for them it'll be in two weeks don't make promises we can't keep <laughs>